just over a week until the big kickoff, and then the life of a Swindon Town fan, and indeed a football fan, is a strange type of purgatory. None more so than for us and for whom the off season 2021 22 has been highly Swindony. As Town's season came to a heartbreaking end on that balmy, a balmy night. Um, in Bursley, most town fans look forward to nothing less than the steady pre-season of consolidation and investment at the county ground. I'm pretty sure none of us, not even Clem, foresaw the loss of first-team coach, assistant manager, the whirlwind of change that it promoted, and including the director, uh, departure of director of football um, and a raft of first-teamers and fa- uh, fan favourites. So... With the new season approaching, there's a new man at the helm, Scott Lindsay, assisted by Jamie Day. We've also managed to protect the core of the squad. Quite the achievement re- reflecting on seasons past at the county ground. There's 13 new members and counting of the playing staff, a new technical director and a fresh new culture of Moneyball is reportedly dictating the direction our club is now taking. It's been a mixed pre-season of results thus far. Two wins, two defeats against non-league opposition. And it's pretty much split the fan opinion down the middle on the socials. Fitness versus finesse. Encouragement versus embarrassment. Ah, the hysteria of pre-season just on steroids in the case of Swindon Town. So how are you feeling about the new season in SM1? We're here tonight for all your calls. So make sure you hit that speaker request button. Send us a DM. Send us a tweet. But before we do that, I'm going to introduce you to the panel, including a very special guest, as you may well have noticed. Um, Our special guest tonight is Town's giant custodian and all-round top bloke. He's made 17 appearances in a Town shirt today, including a very busy 90 minutes repelling the eventual Premier League champions, Manchester City. Having established himself as as our number one during the tail end of last season, esteemed listeners, I give you Lewis Ward. Lewis, good evening. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Delighted you're with us tonight, Lewis. I'll, I'll, I'll introduce you to the rest of the panel. Um, Lewis, meet Joe Vincent. Joe Vincent, meet Lewis. Evening, Lewis. Nice Hi, Joe. Nice to meet you. Uh, Lewis, also joining us tonight is Max Springer. Max, meet Lewis. Lewis, meet Max. Evening, Lewis. Nice to meet you, mate. Hi, Max. And finally, Lewis, I'll introduce you to Chris tonight. Chris Phillips. Chris, meet Lewis. Lewis, meet Chris. Hey, Lewis. Nice to meet you. Chris. So, Lewis, thanks so much for joining us tonight, buddy. The um, as we talked uh, off air after the after the Woking game, the the format is fairly um, straightforward tonight. We've got a whole host of questions that have already been sent in. Some of them specific to you, some of them more general, Swindon Town based. And no doubt, as our time with you unfolds, I understand we've got a good sort of forty five minutes together tonight. But as the as the night unfolds. I'm sure there's going to be a few more that come in. And if we get the opportunity to get people on the spot, ask them directly, um, we'll be doing that. Or indeed, we'll be reading those uh, as we sat, as we uh, progress. How's that sound to you, buddy? Yeah, sounds good to me. Not a problem. Smashing. Well, look, Lewis, we'll, we'll crack on. Um, first question that we had, um, it's an anonymous question, actually. But I'm going to ask you a bit of an entree to this question. Lewis, when you joined the club, obviously, it weren't that, that far previous that we'd become acquainted with you during a rather controversial win um, against your old club, Exeter, at the county ground. How did, how did the move to Swindon come about? Hello? Oh, have we, Sorry. Have we still got you, Lewis? Hello? I lost you there. Sorry. That's all right, buddy. No problem at all. So, Lewis, I was just saying, obviously, not not long before you eventually signed for Swindon Town, we had a very controversial win against your former club, Exeter, at the county ground. Um, 
So how did your move against uh, uh, two swim come about in the first place? Um, well, it, it was kind of a strange pre-season, really. I, um, I finished my time at Exeter. I had a little spell at uh, Portsmouth as well. Um, and I was in talks with the powers that be who were at the club last summer before the takeover. Um, and I had everything sort of lined up and potentially was about to sign on the dotted line when the court case happened. Um, so I was kind of thrown into a kind of bit of disarray regarding that, really. Um, but luckily, everything everything happened and I just stayed patient. I was training with a few other clubs, had a few other offers and contracts at other clubs and I kind of stayed patient and Swindon was the one that I kind of wanted to sign for. What, what was the big draw, Lewis? Was it convenience, given that obviously you already had sort of experience? I'm guessing you had some roots in the West Country. What was the big draw of, of Swindon, apart from the obvious? We are obviously with Swindon Town. <laughs> apart from the obvious, um, I had a conversation with Mildy, the goalie coach, in the off-season. And um, he highlighted a lot of things that I liked. And I thought coming to Swindon to work under Mildy, I could develop as a goalie more than anything else. Um, so kind of working with him and benefiting my game was kind of one of the reasons that I wanted to join. Gotcha. Well, well, it leads us into the first question we've had. It is an anonymous one, Lewis, but it was, I think it, it harps back to that game you'll remember at the county ground, particularly windy, um, where Owen Doyle supposedly scored on his return. But the question says, how much did you enjoy your first experience of the wind tunnel while at Exeter? Well, it wasn't my first game at the county ground. I mean, the game before it, I didn't have the best of uh, best of nights either. But that game, I think I was literally just trying to kick the ball out of play in the first half to try and start a goal kick. So there was a few times I had a goal kicks that were actually blown out for corners. Yeah. Um, and that's not what you want when you're kicking a ball, when you're trying to kick it to the halfway line, that's actually blown behind you. So, um, yeah, it, it was it was an experience, put it that way. And I thought, well... If I ever have that wind again, I'm definitely shooting if I'm at the other end. <laughs> so it was because if I recall, Lewis, you had quite a late call up into that game, did you not? It was an injury to um, your your sort of counterpart that you were vying for the um, number one shirt at Exeter with. Um, is that right? There was, there was an injury in the warm up or is a late call up for you into the game? Yeah. So so that game, I had, um, I'd been out for three months. I broke my arm previously to that. Um, it was sort of kind of one of my sort of like the, one of the, like the fifth or something game back, I was on the bench and about 15 minutes before kickoff, he, or 25 minutes, I can't remember how long it was. It was, it wasn't early in the warm up, but he said he'd uh, tweaked something in his, um, I think it was his oblique or something. And uh, yeah, I got the shout 25 minutes before and it was my first game back in three and a half, four months. So yeah, I think safe to say my quad was hanging off after that game. <laughs> Were you aware, Lewis, at the time, it was a huge, huge game for us. Obviously, the return of Owen Doyle, you'll, hopefully you'll remember there was an enormous crowd at the county ground that day, mm. really vocal. Do you have any recollections of it or did you sort of shut all that out given you were on the other side of it all? No, it was, um, it was, I, think, I think it was quite a big game for everyone all round. I believe you guys were top and we were second. So we believed that we could have closed the gap in that time. And it was kind of a big game in the turning point of the season because I think about a month later, everything stopped for COVID. So mm. it was one of those where we knew where we were in the league and had we got a result there, it might have benefited us a bit more. But yeah, we, we knew it was, um, it was one of my first proper experiences uh, of the Swindon Town crowd because the game games that I played previously at the county ground, it was, it, they were Tuesday nights and 
it wasn't quite the same as a full pack top v second. So it was it was a good it was it was a good experience. So but, moving us on, Max has got a question for you, Lewis. Yeah, hi, Lewis. Um, so looking back, well, I know it's hard to look back. Going back to that Port Vale game and. Uh, one of the questions we got in was, um, you obviously you won't want to throw teammates under the bus, but how frustrating was how frustrating was it to save two penalties but still go on to lose the shootout? Yeah, um, I mean, because you think, because I suppose you think like you save two out of you, if you save two out of five, you got a good chance usually, haven't you? Yeah, we well we had two penalties to win it, um, and you look at those stats. If you have two penalties to win a shootout, the odds should be in your favour. Um, I've unfortunately been in that position before where I've saved two penalties in a shootout in a playoff situation and still gone on to lose. Um, but I was on the receiving end of taking a penalty and missing. So it's it's unfortunately a scenario that I'm actually all too familiar with. But saying that, we're not going to... I'm not going to throw people under the bus. It's, it's a high-pressured situation. It's It's the hard work of... 10, 11 months all the way through and when it comes down to three moments in a game, it's hard to put down your season to those three moments when there's other other times previously where we could have maybe picked up results and changed things around and we could have been in a different situation come the end of May. Yeah, I think that's all about fine margins, especially in situations like we had last season, right? Mm, yeah, definitely. Lewis, is there any particular game that you look back to last season and go, if only... Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, I didn't play as many as I'd liked, but the the games that I remember seeing, I think, I think Colchester away was a big one. I think, I think Colchester away was one of the biggest. Yeah, I, th- I think as fans, we'll be we'll be completely in that basket with you. Um, we've got um, talking about. I mean, you mentioned not playing too many other games. Talking about the your sort of you know the people you're vying for the sticks with. Um, Chris has got a question for you, Lewis, in terms of the competition that you've got this year. Actually, Lewis, just before that, how how do you um, obviously with it, um, it came from the um, penalties? How how do you um, mentally? How, how does it come when you come back in to cope with that? Um, yeah, I mean, penalties are a lottery anyway, so you can you can go the right way. Say say there's five penalties. You can go the right way five times and not get anywhere near any of them. So yeah. you you can always hope for the best to save some. But I think I think for me over the off season I was obviously you're disappointed we didn't get to Wembley because I think we could have I think we could have beaten um, Mansfield. And I think we could have gone up. But I think for me it was it wasn't a case of worrying about the shootout. I was more focused on looking back at how I played in the two playoff games and looking at those kind of moments and seeing what I could have done better, what I did well, and trying to take the positives from that experience and use my now experience from last season into this season as I'm going into this season as one of the senior members of the squad at 25, which is quite strange. Uh, and, and another question, um, is Jack Copland um, on the books of town? Mm-hmm. Uh, who, sorry? Uh, Jack Copland. Uh, I'm not that I'm aware. Um. <laughs> it's, a, it's an interesting one, Lewis. I think they, there were some questions around sort of third choice goalies. Obviously, after Manny had left, 
Jack, yes. Jack Copland is a name that was doing the rounds a couple of weeks ago as, as a young goalkeeper that's been picked up by a sort of local academy. Right, um, okay. And, and amongst the fan base, there's this sort of swirl of debate as to whether or not he's like essentially the the third keeper that's sort of obviously very, very important for goalkeeping training. Of course. Um, yeah. but, but he's not somebody that's that, that you're aware that you're working with. Uh, not that I'm aware of. I mean, I don't know everyone's... <laughs> It should be probably last names that I should be aware of, but um, we have a scholar called Jack, so he could be that person, but I don't know his last name, unfortunately. Let's let's just say he is. <laughs> he could be. Right, who we got next? Um, Joe, I understand you've got a question. I do, I do. Um, so, obviously, last season, a highlight of last season was the Man City game. Um, got a question here. How much of a career highlight was saving Gabriel Jesus' penalty? Did he know or did you know where he was going to hit it or was it a complete guess? Like, in your head, do you decide straight away where you're going or...? No, it's... it's I don't want to give any trade secrets away, to be honest, but... Um, no, it's... <laughs> to be honest, the, the, the penalty save wasn't my favourite... I, I, it wasn't my favourite save in the night and a lot of people always ask me, oh, you saved a penalty from Jesus. And I'm thinking... I saved a 35-yard screamer from Rodri. Like, that's, that, that, for me, was a highlight. Just tipping it onto the bar. and That, that for me, was the save. Um, Louis, sorry to interrupt. No. While you're answering, talking about the Rodri save, speaking as an ex-keeper myself, could you try and sort of help the listeners understand the force that was involved in Rodri's shot when you've got your hand behind it? What would that be comparable to? <sighs> I, I I don't know. Um, we can go down the local park and I can kick a few balls, but I still don't think I'd be able to kick it as hard as he did. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those. I think it's moving so fast, it doesn't actually need that much of a touch. And I was lucky enough to react to it, but it was it was one of those where it just needed the slightest of fingertips just to tip it, um, divert it, because it was moving so quickly. <laughs> it was a worldie. Let's face it, that, was a, that save was a worldie. Um, but yeah, the Jesus penalty, it's always nice to say penalties. And I think I think that was just before Harry scored. So I think it kind of gave everyone a little bit of a lift and a boost. And I think looking back at the night, we could have done things differently. But at the end of the day, we stuck to our values of the way we played in the season. It just didn't, didn't happen for us. It was, it was respectable, wasn't it? I don't think we got... We didn't get battered. So. No, I, 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 don't think we, I don't think we played badly. I think... Man City, the goals they scored were very good. I think there was obviously the free kick I'm disappointed on because I was trying to line the wall up and they weren't listening to me. Um, and I think if I had certain players different in the wall, they might have responded better to that. But that's that's not my place to say and that's now changed. So we'll sort that out this season. But I think the goals that we did concede, they were <laughs> they were good goals. Did you think that, you know, Cancelo's strike that, I mean, I thought it was in for about 30 seconds. When it's gone past you, are you thinking, oh, that's in? I thought there's no way he's shooting on his left foot here and suddenly it's just <laughs> flew past me and I thought, I've heard the net ripple here, but no one's yeah. cheering, but no one's like groaning. So I'm, I'm, to be honest, I didn't have a clue what was going on. It flew past me so quick. <clears throat> yeah, that's fair enough. Lewis, you've, you've got a question here, actually, from a Forest Green Rovers fan. He says, is there an art to saving penalties, Lewis? Because you seem quite good at it. And I appreciate <laughs> you said you don't want to talk about trade secrets, but uh, is there anything you could tell us? Um, no, I think it's it's one of those where 
it's you versus them. And for me, I've never felt pressured into saving a penalty. And even though you could say I've got quite a good record of saving them, it's not it's not putting any more pressure on me to save them. I think it's might even put more pressure on players to um, to score past me. I don't know, but um, yeah, I think the Forest Green one it was kind of a, a, a phase where we played so well that day. And I didn't want to let the boys down. So it was kind of an adrenaline one that got me through that one. Um, because I thought, if we keep a clean sheet here today, it'd be a really good result for us. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, as I said, I don't really want to give too much away. But I don't, I'm not one of those that really likes to look at penalties before games. So it's kind of an in-the-moment thing for me. Gotcha. Uh, Max, I believe you got a question for Lewis. Yeah, um, going again, um, staying on the Man City game, um, that a lot of the City fans actually spoke highly of you. Well, I live in Manchester and I know quite a few City fans up here and they spoke highly of us and yourself. Um, did you enjoy the banter with the fans behind the goal or was it just a case of you just wanted to stay focused through that through that game? No, I think it was... They, they, they were quite respectable fans, to be honest. They weren't... They kind of understood the situation and they knew that they're top of the Premier League, they're vying for Champions League and they're one of the best teams in the world. So it was kind of an inevitable if they did score. It wasn't an it wasn't a if, it was when. So they were quite respectful and they did give a... When I did make a save, they were quite cheering. They were cheering me on. So it was, I think it was nice to hear and to to give a little bit of a, a little bit of support back. And when they when they uh, asked me to wave, you obviously give them a little wave and they appreciate it. So, no, I, I, I don't mind having a little bit um, of banter with the fans like that. No, yeah, I like that. Fair play. Chris, I believe you've got a question for Lewis. Uh, um, <clears throat> Lewis, um, obviously, during that game, we um, a lot of people criticised us for the way that we played out from the back. And um, <clears throat> was, was that something that you wanted to do? Um, or was it forced a bit on you? Um, is it something that you would have preferred to play it further down the pitch? Or uh, it wasn't. It wasn't forced upon us. It was. It was. We had. We had ways of playing out. Um, we had options higher up the pitch. In the time of the game, I thought our personnel higher up the pitch wouldn't have helped if I kicked it long. Um, I mean, you look at their their back four. I don't think our front three that night would have won a header. So I kind of thought in the moment of the game, playing shorter might have benefited us a bit more. Um, obviously, I could have kicked it long, but I thought the ball was going to come straight back anyway. So I thought if we could build a little bit of possession and a little bit of uh, momentum from the back, I thought that was our best way of going forward. But obviously, hindsight's a wonderful thing. It didn't work, but we, we tried it against the best team in the world. And I think it did actually help us going forward. Lewis, similar to the conversation or the question that I asked you about the force of Rodri's shot, when you're when you're sort of pitch level, as obviously we we have a very different perspective set up in the stands. When you're pitch level, the the pace at which Man City were moving the ball versus the pace of which a typical League Two teams move the ball, can you help us sort of understand how literally what that's doing to your head and your eyes while you're in the game? Uh, it's it's difficult to describe, really. Um, the, the, obviously, the pace you can see. All of it, but for us, I've got to focus on where the ball is, how deep the defenders are, where the strikers are running, and I've got to try and communicate to the def- defenders like where they are, how they're moving, and 
I was getting tongue-tied, trying, just trying to speak to them, telling them where they are. They're just crossing over, switching over. The rotation was frightening. It was, it was. To be fair, the boys did really well with it, and we we coped as as best as we could. But we tried, and yeah, you, you're trying to tell people they're on the left shoulder, right shoulder, and then they're just swapping over. I mean, yeah, as I said, their rotation was was frightening, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, put it this way, Lewis, there were a lot of clubs other than Swindon Town letting a lot more goals than Swindon did against City that season. So, um, hey, listen, we certainly didn't disgrace ourselves. Um, Joe, you've got a question for Lewis. I do. And it's a question that I actually don't actually know what's the uh, reference behind it. So, Hannahs, you might have to help us out here. Oh, so I quest- know the reference behind this, Lewis, and I'm sure you probably <laughs> do by now, given who, given who coaches you. So, the question's come in. Has Mildy shared his Pompey nightmare experience with him, with you? His Pompey nightmare? Um, yeah. Lewis, I cannot believe that that has not immediately sprung into a, <laughs> one of Mildy's one of Mildy's war stories. I mean, so if, it, Mildy... if it's this, it, it, well, it depends. I mean, he tells so many stories. We, I guess the point in training, we have to tell like, Mildy, like, stop talking. We need, we're here to work. Like, come on. Like, you've, you've talked enough. We've rested enough. All right, um, how, can I, how can I put this, Lewis? I'll try and I'll sort of, if I take it step by step, then the penny might drop. Um, it was live on Sky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I assumed it was this story. Um, <laughs> yes. How, how did he tell the story to you, Lewis? He, he referred to it as his second debut um, because he claims that he, he came on as a striker in his first debut. Um, yeah, that's a fair one. Yeah, no. So he, he, was, he was like, yeah, so this is my second debut. Uh, for the club and he told us it was live on Sky and um, yeah it was a probably a a rated 12 I think the best way to describe it without getting too graphic and um, (laughs) yes it involved it involved Robbie Pethick's studs and a rather uncomfortable position and I think afterwards instead of going to the uh, goals on Sunday it went on to casualty the, uh, the show after so yeah, it was one of those. Yeah, he did share, he has shared me that story with me, yeah. Ah, all right. Yeah, did it make you win, so, being honest? And indeed, have you ever had a comparable injury, Lewis? Uh, I don't think anyone will have a comparable injury to that. I think that's I think that's a freak, one-off, unfortunate incident. And to be honest, it could only happen to Mildy. So, <laughs> um, luckily, no. Touch wood, no. And, yeah, hopefully, as I said, no. <laughs> We're all we're all touching the wood right now for you, Lewis. Not not literally, but Lewis, move it. Let's move on swiftly before I find myself in the in the midst of any other unfortunate euphemisms. Um, Lewis, got a question for you in relation to your Reading roots, Lewis. Have you ever taken off your shoes? The question asked to to uh, display your uh, disliking of Swindon Town Football Club. Uh, no, not that I'm aware of. I mean, the occasional gym session we get told to take our shoes off and do it barefoot but I think that's scientific reasons more than show my dislike for the club um, but no I'm, I'm confused by that one Are you okay so Reading Reading have this rather unusual charm I don't know whether it's a widespread thing at Reading one of my co-hosts will maybe be able to help me out here but they sing take their shoes off if you hate Swindon and apparently they all take the shoes off and start waving the shoes in the air in the middle of the match I had a season ticket at Reading for I don't know 10, 10 plus years and I've never seen that happen so that's either a new thing or a really old thing. <laughs> Was that because you fell asleep? No, anyway. no, no. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I think it is a relatively new thing, Lewis. I think right, it's something okay. been doing for the last couple of years. Okay, yeah. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't have heard of it. No, um, no, I've never done that. Um, I think that's a bit strange, to be honest. But you know, we've played Reading once in a pre-season game. Like, we haven't played them for like ten years. So where's mm. this new rivalry come from? They're trying to stir up. I, I, I honestly have no idea. I mean, I think I, I come from obviously outside of Reading, and I came up through the academy, and we we went to obviously the games on Saturdays and it was kind of, that was the team we picked. It was our local team. Um, but no, I, I, I have no idea why I think Reading's one of those strange clubs that it has no rivalry right on its doorstep. I think it, it tries Wickham, it tries Oxford and it's just one of those where it has no real rival battle, which is, which is sad because I think Swindon's that club that has it has a few. It has Oxford, it has Forest Green, it has Bristol Rovers. It's got quite a few little derbies, and I think Reading it's, it tries to create derbies out of nothing, which is unfortunate. But yeah, do you so one of my one of my housemates in uni was a Reading fan, and he said they had a thing with QPR. It was like the, they he called it the Hoops Derby. I think that's he yeah, said that, that was the closest they had. That is the closest thing I think, and I think that's clutching its draws to be honest, um, yeah. because obviously Q, QPR's London. You got so many clubs in London I think I don't think you can class that as even trying it down the M4 corridor to be honest but I th- I, yeah I, I don't know it's it, it, it's it's strange that it has no derbies which is unfortunate because everyone loves a, a derby match well we've used the word strange now about five times whilst discussing Reading so I think we, we can just sort of like leave it there and just, yeah <laughs> Max Max move us along right I'm not sure where this question's come from but um, it says uh, how does it feel being so tall that you breathe different air to us normal folk, and do you have to kneel down to talk to Louis Reed? No, I just pick Louis Reed up. <laughs> um, yeah, just just sort of cradle him and just pick him up and speak to him. Um, Actually, on on that, did did your height play into becoming a goalkeeper, or were you were you always a goalkeeper coming up as a kid playing football? Or um, I think it was it was a case of I was always the tallest in my team, but I think it was more of a case of how uncoordinated I was at running rather than being good at like goalkeeping and being tall and then I got stuck in goal because I either couldn't kick it or I was just better at catching. So, yeah, I think from, a, from an early age, I was, I was always in goal. Okay. Chris, you've you got a question for Lewis. Uh, I have a question for you, Lewis, and, and, and this is actually one from um, one of our uh, legends, Debs who wants to know what is the name of the veggie vegan place that you go in Sirencester because it's bloody amazing. The veggie vegan place? Uh, not sure. I can't remember what it's called now. Um, are, you, are you a veggie, Lewis, if you don't mind me asking? I'm not, I'm not no, 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 but uh, I do like good food. Um... What's your no. what's your signature dish, Lewis? Are you do, are you much of a chef? No, I'm I'm kind of a pasta chicken kind of guy. If, I, if I'm cooking, it's it's mince pasta kind of Italian Italian dishes. Um, my girlfriend, she's a she's a really good cook though. So if she's if she's cooking, then I know we're having a good meal. But um, I don't mind making a, a pasta pasta dish now and again. Um, but I'm trying to think. It's either, it could be, I'm trying to think. Oh. There's Tommy's Street Kitchen, which I go to. Um, 
or munch by munch, and I can't remember which one's which. Um, but they're both they're both very good restaurants. And yeah. I can't I can't lie. Lewis Jay on Jay on Twitter is asking a question that most people get asked when uh, in relation to Swindon Town on these kind of phonings. What's your favourite cheese? Yeah, this is a strange question. I've had I've had I've had that in the uh, in the players Q and A before, and I'm I'm not sure why, where does it come from. What it's, is what is the relevance it's just of the cheese? Well, listen, it's something that's been asked a very, very long time. Obviously, Cheddar is not a million miles away from where we are, or or rather where Swindon is, mm. bearing in mind I'm on the London Kent border, so I'm not going to try and claim I'm, I'm over Cheddar way. But um, it's just something that gets asked, Lewis. And, oh. and inevitably, if I don't ask, I'm, I'm damned if I do, damned if I don't. If I no, don't of course, ask, yeah, yeah. I, I, was just, I was just curious of where it came from. Uh, I don't mind a slice of brie on a cracker now and again. And is there... Is there, or another question I'm getting here in relation to food. This is also coming from Jay saying, is there anything that is completely off limits, as in from a dietary point of view at Swindon Town, anything that's been redlined by the club? Uh, I wouldn't say redlined as the club, but obviously you have to be careful what you eat. The uh, sports science team obviously want us to be in the best shape possible. So with, with the weather the way it is, we have hydration tests every day, so they know if we're drinking enough and we weigh every morning when we go into training. So, yeah, I think there's nothing being outlined as horrific. Everyone knows generally what they should and shouldn't eat, but everyone knows that you can and can't eat certain things when you're trying to play football at the top level. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, Joe, you got a question? I do. Um, so, obviously... I was going to say, you, the dress room obviously has music banging before games and after games. I heard it firsthand at Woking. There was a few good tunes in there. Um, the question here is, what songs are in your pre-match playlist? What songs are in my pre-match playlist? Do you know what? I, I, I'm not one of those that I don't really mind what's on. I, I don't really mind which DJ's playing, whether it's someone with the slower, calmer music or someone that's with the upbeat and your eardrums are bleeding. So for me, I'm, I'm not really one. It doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. I'm not going to sit in the change room with my headphones in. I'm more focused on getting outside. And I, to be fair, I don't, I don't mind listening to the music in the stadiums. I quite like going to the different stadiums and hearing the different playlists from, from the crowds and whoever's running the playlists at the away games. They're always good to listen to. Who, who are the DJs in the change room? Sort of. Um, Harry, Harry's normally on the DJ. Um, I bet his music's dreadful, isn't it? Do you know what? There are some good songs in there. Um, when he starts playing some Spanish, Spanish music that no one understands, like sometimes you just got to switch it off and tell him to change the song. But most, most of the time, to be fair to him, his songs aren't too bad. Um, Reedy stepped up a few times. Reedy's isn't bad. Um, and then when, if we've got a slow recovery, Recovery session in in the gym. I think um, Johnny Williams normally takes over. So, yeah, there's a few in there with different playlists, and they've all got their all got their specialist timings. If let's say, Lewis, here's here's a question from Darren. Um, we we seem to be very lucky to have a character like Johnny Williams in the dressing room. What is it about Johnny Williams that seems to make him so hugely popular amongst all the teams he plays for, including Wales? And that's from Darren on Twitter. Johnny's Johnny's just a top bloke. There's there's no there's no way else to describe him. He's just a he's just a really good guy. He's down to earth. 
He's hardworking. He's respectful of everyone at the club, no matter who they are. So he's just an all-round good human being. There's, there's no other way to describe him. And well, on that basis, Lewis, without naming names, I genuinely do mean that. Don't name names. When you think back about your career, have you ever played with someone that you can honestly say was like the, the polar opposite of Johnny? Yes. <laughs> so how, how... It's an interesting one because... Obviously, you've all got to be in it together. Is it just a question with that kind of personality, when you cross the white line, is it you put all that to one side and, and, and even that type of personality just gets on with it? Or is it just something you have to kind of all tolerate? How does that work? Yeah, there's, there's, there's limitations. There's, there's, there's tolerance, and tolerance only takes you so far. Um, I think we're all trying to strive for the same thing, which helps. We all want the same goal at the end of the day. Um, and we're looking for, at the, yeah, as I said, like the end result is always the same. So at the, when you cross the white line and the whistle goes, you put personal um, feelings aside, egos, and you're a team and you work as hard as you can as a team. So it's one of those where tolerance will only take you so far. And if those lines get crossed, there will be consequences and it will fracture the team. But Fortunately, we haven't come across that yet, and I haven't come across that in my playing career. So hopefully, it won't happen. But if it does, then it will be a learning experience for me and some other people. So there's, and also coming away from players, Lewis. Obviously, there's been sort of managerial changes at the club. How one of the questions that we've got here relates to uh, the gaffer and his change of role. Have Have you noticed any any sort of subtleties in terms of Scott sort of having to change his position or or change his approach? And uh, now he's the head coach. Um, I think I've worked. I worked with um, the gaffer previously at Forest Green, um, and he, I, I loved him there. Um, and he was the assistant there, and obviously I was very lucky he was the assistant last season. But I think now he's the reins are in his hands, and he's got more control. And I think that will suit him a lot more. Um, and it will, I think, it will benefit the club as well, seeing what he can fully offer to the table, which will be nice. And and if you if you could describe the gaffer in no more than five words to Swindon Town fans, Lewis, what five words would you choose? Uh, that is that is tough. I'd go no nonsense. Um, he he's very good on his values. Um, yeah, it's 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 more about his non-negotiables really, and his his values as sort of people and humans to try and get the best out of his players. I know that was a lot more than five, but I think that's that's the only way to describe him. No, no, we'll take those. Chris, I believe you've got a question that's just come, uh, just come in. Well, I was, uh, actually, I was, I was just wanted to ask you, Lewis. Um, obviously, early last season, from, and for a lot of last season, you were um, basically the substitute goalkeeper. Uh, how do you um, cope with that? And then um, want to, do, uh, and then when it comes to when you come uh, uh, and play. <laughs> that... That is the toughest question, and that is such a horrible question to answer. Um, it's there's there's no way to prepare for not playing. You can only train a hundred percent every day and prepare like you are playing. Um, and I think 
previously when I was younger, I had loan spells where I didn't play and I was playing every sort of 12 weeks. I was playing um, very inconsistently um, and I didn't, I didn't know how to deal with it then. And I think those experiences have benefited me massively. And now I'm a little bit older. I've played a few more games. Um, I know how to prepare myself for those games when I haven't played for a while. I think having injuries has helped, being out for a few months and not playing and then coming, being, coming back and being thrown into it. I think, yeah, I think, I think having played with the games that I did last year, I think looking back, it was just the training and making sure that I was ready physically as much as anything else. And mentally, I spoke a lot with Mildy and I spoke to a sports psychologist and trying to deal with not playing. Um, and that was, re- that was really tough because all, all you want to do as a, as a player is play. So I think being able to show what I did when I was able to play was, was really good. And, I think moving forward, hopefully, I won't have to have so many breaks in between games. So, when when you had that, uh, what was the re- relationship between you and, um, and and Jojo? What did it look like? Is the question I'm going to fire back, and then I'll tell you what it was like. Oh, that's superb! It's well handled, media trained. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just. I'm, no, that's not even me trying to trying to. Deflect. I, I will answer the yeah. question. I'm just, I'm just wondering what it looked like. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, Lewis. It's interesting because, like I said, I, I, I didn't play. I mean, I, I played an half decent sort of, sort of amateur standard of football, but I've, I, I've always, always stood behind the goals with a, a couple of seasons exceptions when I've got involved corporately in football, and I've, <laughs> and I've always studied the goalkeepers in their warm up and try, try to sort of, if I can, get those little reads and tells. You're you're a real you're someone I'd hate to play card cards against because you you have got an incredible poker face. Um, like when you're you can see you are so focused and and annoyingly, so was Jojo. Um, you know there if you compare you you two for example to Mildy when he was playing it he always came across as being so much more expressive. Um, and previous goalkeepers Frank Talia um, being another example Fraser Digby you, there were always things that I felt I could read. But you two guys were completely poker faced and very very focused. I think um, I'm, I'm politely trying to say that I think there was a very very steely um, sort of driven competition between the two of you. Um, I, you know, it was hard to say whether or not you guys were friends away from the pitch, but goalkeepers typically tend to be. So, does that answer your question? Yeah, no, no, that's that's fine. Yeah, no, we Jojo and I were we were we were good. Um, I have no issues with Jojo, and we had, I hope he has no issues with me. So, I think the only issue was that he was playing and I wasn't. So, we we dealt with that in the best way we could, and Mildy was very good in that. He would we'd have group hugs in training, and we'd talk it out. So. When he was playing, I was respectful. I only wanted the best for him, as you do, because we're all in the same same team and we want the same goals. So I think, yeah, as I said, I, we were both driven and that was, I think, why we both played so well when we did play. I think it was tough for me to go knock on the manager's door when Jojo was playing because he didn't really put the foot wrong. Um, and he got all of his call-ups and he got all of his accolades at the end of the season, which is which is fully deserved and he's, he's got his move now. So hopefully this season with him pushing on, I can, I can step in, but yeah, there, there was no animosity between us and 
I think we both handled each other playing in, in the best way, way that we could. And, and how have you found, sort of, obviously you're going to have fantastic competition this, this year, Lewis, with Sol Brin, very highly rated at Middlesbrough. What, what have you seen from Sol so far? What's he bringing to the table? Yeah, no, we, we, we've had good training sessions. He's, he's played well in the games that he's played. And I think it will be a case of, similar to last year, whoever plays will be respectful. But we both know that if that person doesn't play well, then the other person's chomping at the bit to get in. And I think, as I said, that's why Jojo played so well last year was because that he knew I was ready to step in at any moment. So it's not a case of playing fearfully. It's playing with confidence and playing with the fact that you have to play at your best, which in turn helps the team because the other person wants to play as well. So, so Lewis, as a, as a goalkeeper, and, and I mean, I'm going to ask you to sort of, if you can, speak for Sol here, albeit it's a difficult one, but do you prefer it when managers actually come out as a goalkeeper, as a pro keeper, come out and say, you're my number one this year? Or do you prefer it when it's a level playing field and you're both just going at it hammer and tong? Um, I think there's different ways to go about it. I, I don't know if it depends because if you're 35 and you've played 500 league games, if someone came up to you and said, I've got a 19-year-old, you're going to have to fight it out and he's played zero games, I think you'd be a little bit cheesed off. Um, but I think, I think if you are told it's a challenge, you've got to put your 100% effort in, you've got to train hard every day, you've got to do your best and... At the end of the day, if you, if your best isn't good enough for the manager, then you've got to go away and work hard and prepare. So, I think there's different ways to handle it. I think there's different ways, obviously, as I've said, to to work about it and speak to goalies. But yeah, it's, if it's a level playing field, then whoever grabs the shirt grabs the shirt. Max, I believe you've got a question for Lewis. Yeah, just gone back, going back through um, your spell at Portsmouth, and we had a an infamous game during that season away where <laughs> I don't know. If you, yeah, do you remember how our manager was acting on the night, and what 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 was what was your thoughts then, like the rest of the team, of how he was acting on the touchline? Have you ever seen anything like that from a manager? That's that's the first time I've come across him, um, and I'm told he's a really nice guy off the pitch. And I was baffled to see what I was seeing. It was it was baffling. Our bench was laughing. Like it was, it, it, I felt bad for everyone sat on the Swindon bench because everyone was sort of like pulling up their shirts and like rolling their eyes and sort of like hiding and cowering because what we were seeing wasn't. It didn't look professional, but it's one of those where if that's the way he is, that's the way he is. Um, the things that I've seen of him, I. I don't like the way he acted um, on the bench in the Oldham game. I think it was just before, just before the end of the season. I think it could have been handled better. And I think it's just, it's almost, it's almost a case of childish and he can't let things go. Um, but as I said, I don't know him personally, but from what I've heard, I've heard he off the pitch, he's really good. So maybe it's just one of those that when he's on the pitch and the adrenaline's going, he, he can't control it. And, Sometimes there's just no need for that. But yeah, as I said, that, that, that game was was strange. But then on the flip side of that, we came to your place three weeks later and lost. So it's that oh, is, yeah, of course, that, yeah. That is football, isn't it? So No, nah, I think they made it so much worse that season because that, that was when 
obviously no crowds, but then I think at that point there were the away commentary teams could even channel in. So we heard everything that was being said on the stream and just like Yeah. It it it, it was it was bad and you'd you'd like to think that your manager would have a bit more respect for his players, but I don't know. That's that's again not for me to say because I don't know him personally. I've never worked underneath him. I don't know. Um I'm sure the boys that played that season have their views and I'm sure they might not be as diplomatic as I am. Um, I think you could tell from Dion's celebration when he scored the winner, right? <laughs> yeah, I think that that's. I think, as I said, actions maybe spoke louder than words that day. Um, <laughs> but there was there was a few scuffles on the bench that day as well, which were unnecessary and not needed. So it's. It, I think it will always be a case of if he comes back to the county ground, I don't think there will be any love lost between some of the players that are still here. Hey, listen, no, yeah. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, um, cream rises, karma's a bitch, league tables um, spoke spoke volumes, I think, come the end of the year. And obviously, we feel sorry for the supporters of his football club because they're a good football club, um, but ultimately don't have a lot of sympathy for him, um, particularly given the actions as he left the pitch. And I think that's just speaking as a supporter. Lewis, you've, you've obviously, I guess, this uh, appreciate we're, we're sort of coming up to, you know, uh, our sort of time limit with you tonight, but... You've been involved in um, a few preseason friendlies so far. So, what what is it you've seen, or how how you've seen the sort of current squad sort of like unfolding, if you will, taking shape? What would you say to the Swindon fans? We've got to look forward to this season based on what you've seen so far. Yeah, it's it's as I said, it's a work in progress. We've got one more preseason, two more preseason friendly, one more preseason friendly this Saturday. Um, I know there's two games on Saturday, but yeah, one more at the counter ground before the season starts. Um, I would say, I know it's a cliche, but trust the process. We're working hard every day. Um, I think this we've shown highlights and glimmers in every game that we've played. And I think Eastleigh was a, was a test and we played some really nice football in that game in the second half. We weren't up to speed in the first half, but the second half we were really good. We just couldn't find that finishing touch. But I think this season the Swindon fans should expect um, a lot of possession-based football, but a lot of possession with a purpose. There won't be so much playing around the back for no reason. It will be aggressive possession-based football. We want to play in their half on the front foot. We want to play around the edge of their box. We don't want to be passing out the back and playing 25, 35 passes to get over the halfway line. We want to play... We want to be scoring within those passes. So I think the fans should be looking forward to aggressive possession-based football. That sounds good enough for me, Lewis. Lewis, one, uh, listen, we all, we like to kind of wrap up, having had Paul Cadiz on recently, we like to kind of wrap up by saying this to you. If you've got a question you might like to ask us as fans, football player to fan, because it's usually always fan to player. And, and Cadiz, was, uh, Cadiz had about 50 once we asked him this question, but is there any one burning question you might have for us? Uh, that's a tough one. Um, not really. I mean, it, it's 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 difficult because obviously we we don't interact as much as I would like, and I think we need to kind of bridge that gap a bit more. I think we spoke a bit about that after the Woking game, um, and I think we need to do a bit more of this kind of player interaction with the fans so that we can get more. But what I would what would I would pose is what would the fans want to see from us? What would the fans like the club to do to bridge that gap to the fans, allow the players to interact with fans like we're doing now, but 
how would the fans like that to come about? What would they like to see? What content would they like to see from the club? Well, I think, uh, listen, I mean, I'm sure all the guys will have a view on this. I think, so we kind of maybe take the pointer from from each of us. But I mean, hey, listen, from on the pitch, I think it's it's just important that we see, you know, 11 lads out on that pitch at any one given time that are clearly, you know, sweating blood for the shirt. I think that's really important. And I know players all show that in very different ways and characters are all very different. I think, um, you know, the... I think a, a a willingness to just essentially be out in the community, I think, is something that I look for, I look for, and it's an interesting one, Lewis, because I mentioned to you I live over on the London Kent border, so I don't actually get to spend a lot of my kind of my sort of week in and around sort of Wiltshire, but I guess I look at it like this: we're a you know we're a, a club right at the heart of our of our own town, we're a community club, um, and we've always described ourselves as being a community club, so really. I just think players kind of proudly positioning themselves as part of the community, being in and around the community, engaging with the community, I think is key. And yeah, obviously, we've got you on tonight, Luce, and this has been refreshing because obviously it was a very different culture last year trying to speak with players. Uh, this is this really has been a breath of fresh air uh, and you've been very open and honest. I mean, jo- Joe, is there anything from your point of view that, you know, that you would say in answer to Lewis? Not really. I mean, obviously, um, we've seen that the club have been really really open towards us and um different sort of fan groups if you like um the amount of sort of uh i don't know what the word is really the access to the club that we all love that we've had so far this season and obviously moving into the full season next year it's it's just mad like for me obviously i've grown up sort of idolizing the boys of the pitch playing red and white and like at Woking, I'm, I'm standing there chatting away to to Johnny Williams and, and Wardy as well. Like it's it's been such a shift in sort of just attitude towards the fans. I think already that we've seen, um, it's been fantastic. We've got obviously the, the live shows in the Legends Lounge coming up uh, with some players hopefully coming up and having a chat with us. I mean, yeah, just as a thank you to you, Wardy, for coming on for this. This is perfect. This is just something that you know. I'm really grateful for, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of Swindon fans are grateful for as well. How about you, Max? Have you? I mean, obviously, Max, you've got a, a, a sort of similar challenge to me, albeit you're even further away up in Manchester. But what is it you're looking for from Lewis and the boys? Well, I, I think back to um, a few years going to Wellens, where I, I, in fact, I think it was during that first sort of lockdown where the club released the players to go on and do the podcast with Rich on Low Strangers. And I guess that sort of falls in similar to what you're doing with us. Though. It's, like, it's just nice to like have an open chat with you and be able to ask you these sorts of things. And um, it's just nice to have a chat and get to know, get to know the players better because I think it makes us... It, it, definitely for me, at least, being so far away, obviously I can't get involved with the more in-person stuff that happens around the town, but it helps me connect with the club more. I think it definitely got me back. When, when they were doing interviews a few years ago, I think I fell back in love with the club and it's got me back on back on board with it fully ever since then. So it's like I think we just appreciate being able to do things like this, do you know what I mean? And 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 Chris, from your perspective, obviously you're again not a million miles away from, from Max, albeit, you know, a slightly different colour rose, but sort of Yorkshire based. Um is there, is there anything from your perspective we're missing? <clears throat> well look at that. While while we're on there, it's a, you just want a, a, a striker, a, a fox in the box striker. I think that that's all we want. And um, apart from that, I'd, I'd, 
I, I think our recruitment has been great. Absolutely great. So, so Lewis, from, from I mean, hope that answers all your questions, really. I mean, to, the, the one thing that I would say to you, Lewis, in, in sort of almost like a sort of, sort of finish this one off, really, is it's, it's all very well and good us saying, oh, we love to be able to just walk up, talk to the players, this, that, the other. Is, is there any kind of, you know, without me, without me trying to position you as being a bit sort of, you guys as being a bit special and in your own bubble, there's obviously things that pro players can and can't say to fans when you're talking to them. Is there anything that you'd like to kind of put out there to the fan base and just say, look, obviously you're not being rude when you can't talk about these things or, um, you know, is there a, like, you know, I'm, I remember once, I mean, it's about 10, 12 years ago, seeing a fan sort of seeming to inadvertently rub a player up the wrong way when he was making his way into the stadium. You could see sort of getting himself in the zone and it was affecting his preparation. He was being badgered so much. Is, is there anything you can do to help fans that might want to interact with you, um, sort of understand your position? <laughs> yeah, I think I think the one question that, that kind of not gets on people's nerves but going to the ground is getting asked if you're playing today. Um because that can that can that can affect people two ways. Because you obviously, if you're not playing, and someone's asking, "Are you playing today?" I can't wait to watch you play. And you walk into the ground, and you know you're on the bench. It's it's a frustrating one. And on the flip side of that, you don't want to let people know that you're playing too early because obviously the teams aren't out, and it's one of those where you just you have to go. Oh, you have to wait and see, and just just stay patient for the team sheets. But yeah, I think I think that's that's kind of the one question that. It can it can go either way. Um, you can obviously give give your answer and be diplomatic, but if you catch someone on a bad day, it, it can then rub people the wrong way. So is it is it fair to say, Lewis, you've met the the mighty football Phil because you did everything but put a Wiltshire accent on that last question? <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, <laughs> very diplomatically put. Well, he's pretty much met everybody now. Um, there are some absolutely brilliant stories about football Phil over the years. Um, I would urge you, Lewis, to have a look at some of Cy Ferry's content from around um, sort of 2010 to 2012, some of his runnings in the car park, and, and, and just sort of compare and contrast to some of the runnings maybe you've had. But um, listen, Lewis, you've been a great sport tonight. I appreciate you. You've, you've, we've gone over your 45 minutes, mate, and we're really, really grateful. Um, we say to everybody that comes on, please don't be a stranger, buddy. We've got a long season ahead. We'd love to hear from you as the season unfolds. Um, I hope tonight's not been too arduous for you. No, of course. Whenever you whenever you need someone, just just let me know and I'll pop on. Um, I'm happy to do it kind of once a month if you want me to. And we can have a catch up every month at the end of the month and review what's happened and stuff like that. So, yeah, just let me know what you want. If the fans don't want me back, then that's fine and I won't come back on. But if they want me back on, I'll come back on. Well, rubber stamp, right. We've got an exclusive. The ink is on the contract. Congratulations, Lewis Ward. You will be our new monthly guest. More than happy with that, buddy. Okay, it's perfect. Been, uh, no, it's been an absolute treat, Lewis. Um, listen, Lewis, we, we are literally just going to go on, um, have a conversation about signings. We'll talk about management, talk about some fans' reaction that we've seen over the last few weeks and a little bit of a friendlies roundup. Um, you're more than welcome <laughs> to stay on. You're more than welcome to listen in. Uh, you're more than welcome to disappear off and get your head down, buddy. We're, we're just very, very grateful you joined us. So thank you ever so much. No, I appreciate that. Thank you for having me on. Um, yeah, I think I think we've got a triple session tomorrow, so I think I'll be asleep in five minutes, if you don't mind. <laughs> good, for you, good for you, buddy. Well, listen, ladies and gentlemen, we're <coughs> uh, current on paper, number one, and we wish you all the best for the new season, Lewis. And thank you for your endeavours in a Swindon shirt so far. Lewis Ward, ladies and gentlemen, Joe, Max, Chris, 
Well, you make a Lewis. Absolutely outstanding contribution for his show debut. Absolutely. Oh, that was uh, that was fantastic. And now we've got, yeah, I really uh, enjoyed that. We've got a new member of the Tom Broadbent Lounge, so that's fun. Yeah, it's official. Yeah, we're going to have to get him a shirt now, aren't we? Speaking speaking of which, gentlemen. Speaking of which, what a week it's been. We we are official sellers of replica shirts. Can you believe it? Oh, um, oh, the shirts are amazing as well. Those, those shirts <laughs> your, are is this amazing. Your best, I want your best sleazy salesman routine, Chris. Let's hear it. <laughs> hey, is Ollie on this call? Is Ollie on this call? No, no, he's not on this call. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, listen, um, don't know what to say, really. I've, I've been asked why we've gone down this route. So I've been asked to sort of explain it a little bit on the show. Um and I, and I will. And there's a really nice sort of personal story tied in that is it's interlaced with so many um, sort of Swindon legends from over the years. And also my own personal sort of, you know, fandom of football and how I ended up becoming a town fan. And, and, and weirdly, it all started off with Tottenham Hotspur back in 1986. I've mentioned two or three times tonight about living on the London Kent border. For those, those of you that don't know, obviously, the, the clue is in my other my personal bio. Um my family are all Tottenham Hotspur fans. <clears throat> On my, oh blimey, Chris, do us a favour, mute yourself, son. Don't start falling into your pots and pans. Um, but yes, so I started supporting Spurs as a as a kid. They were the club that my family supported, and um, essentially it was the eighty six, eighty seven Tottenham team that had Hoddle, uh, Ardiles, Paul Allen, Mickey Hazard, um, and then also the likes of Ray Clements, Richard Goff, etc. And they had that iconic white shirt with the chevrons going horizontally and i fell in love with that shirt it's one of the reasons why i got into football per se but i got taken to my first town uh, ta- my first win- uh, spurs game rather at white hart lane and it was one of the most dreadful footballing experiences of my life and um a week or so later i got took to my to my first town uh, game and it was love at first sight i can still name the team from back to front i can tell you the result blah 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 but i won't bore you cut a long story short um as the years unfolded, and obviously Ozzy Ardiles, Glenn Hoddle came into the club, a lot of the players that I've mentioned, Paul Allen obviously played for us, Mickey Hazard played for us, Ozzy played and managed, Glenn Hoddle played and managed. Tony Galvin was another player from that era that came from Spurs, and we, we developed a very, very similar sort of like footballing ethos, um, playing it, playing the, uh, you know, playing the Swindon way was very, very similar to um, Spurs. Anyway, cut a long story short, fast forward um, to where we're at now. We launched this Tom Broadbent Lounge and a few people have been talking to us about bringing out some merch. We've got some plans for further down the line. And I was like, well, look, why mess around with T-shirts when actually we can bring out um, a shirt which is exactly the same template as the template that got me involved in football way back when, which is what we've done. So obviously we couldn't go forward with our first kit being anything other than red, which is what we've done. So we've got the red with the horizontal chevrons. Obviously ties in nicely with our kit this year. Our away kit is the white kit, exactly the same template as what that um, uh, Tottenham team had back then in 86, 87, but with our logos proudly presented. Third kit was an interesting selection for us because we started talking about our favourite moments supporting Swindon Town. And, and one of my real highlights, because it was just down the road from me as well, where I live, was bashing Charlton in the playoffs. Um, with the Stephen Derby penalty. So the choice of going for a blue and white Swindon shirt for our third shirt was a really, really obvious one. And the goalkeeper shirt, being a keeper myself, I'm a little bit of a goalkeeping purist. I'm big on goalkeepers wearing green. And we were given the opportunity to bring out a Tony Parks-esque green goalkeeper shirt with the horizontal chevron. So that was what we did. Um, 
it's not a money maker for us at all, guys, but hopefully it is a money maker for the Swindon Town um, Community Foundation. So um, we're working with Ollie Town in Taylor, who's getting the um, shirts produced, printed, and he's also doing personalisation. But every penny of profit that we make, and hopefully you've seen from the prices, it is very, very keen. But every penny of profit that we make is going to the Swindon Town Community Foundation to then do with what they so choose. Um, so please be sure it's not a money-making exercise. Um, the Tom Broadbent Lounge per se is not something that we make money out of. We genuinely do it for the love. We do it because we adore our club and we do it to try and enrich yours and indeed our fan experience. And, and producing those kits is very much along the lines um, as well. So if you can... Um, please make the most of it. Um, you will see us moving in and around the county ground wearing those shirts from time to time. Um, Town and Taylor. Um, Ollie is um, the chap to uh, get in touch with. If you have a look down um, through my posts and through the Tom Broadbent Lounge posts on Instagram and on Twitter, you'll see those lovely shirts. If you'd like to have a look at them, drop me a line and I'll make sure that we furnish you. So, um, but the, the uptake has been fantastic. Um, it's fair to say we're not going to just keep punting these out infinitum. Um, they are limited edition. Uh, they are going to come off sale soon. Um, so um, I'm not sure where we're at in terms of numbers versus or target numbers versus where we're at. I know we are getting close. So if you do want one, drop all your line. Um, swinging back into the wonderful world of where Swindon Town are at now, however... And I'll, 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 Max, I'll bring you in on this because it's been a while since we've had you on the show, buddy. But um, it's been an interesting pre-season, hasn't it? It's fair to say, I touched on it at the start with my introduction, about fan meltdown and whatnot. What do you think has been behind what feels like one of the most bizarre sort of squidgy meltdown seasons I've experienced as a Swindon Town fan? How about, how, how's it been for you up there? It's been, obviously I can't watch the friendlies, but I'm not one, I've never been one who's bought into friendly results anyway. The the the, the summer that always jumps into mind is um, after the Millwall playoff loss. And I think we went on a run of seven or eight pre-season games where we were unbeaten. We beat Nottingham Forest at home and smashed into pieces and DeSevi got a brace in front of him. And then look what happened that season. And we've had other seasons where... We've not had the best start in the preseason, like nineteen twenty, like um, the nineteen twenty season. We go and win the league, so I don't think you can buy in too much. I think, especially the start of preseason, like the games we've seen so far, it's just about fitness and getting players um, in the right in the right state, ready for playing a proper football game. It all starts on the fit on the thirtieth against Harrogate, right? So, and in terms of the signings, we've brought in a good number. I think. The, the, the thing we were screaming out for last season was depth, right? And I think we've got that in droves, especially in the midfield. I'm really confident looking. I'm really confident looking at our midfield, actually. Um, yeah, our midfield has got absolutely buckets of depth, hasn't it? Um, I was running through um, uh, running through a spreadsheet um, that myself and my son just hurriedly put through today uh, in readiness for the new season, and. We allowed ourselves the, the benefit of having certain players representing more than one position. So, for example, I'll just throw, use one name. We've got Mo Darbray is a little bit of a jack of all trades across the midfield. Um, Darbray is a lad who, um, bizarrely, I, um, I don't live a million miles away from where the Valencia Academy is. And there are lads that I've coached at a junior level that were playing with Mo Darbray. And they've described Mo as being like a little Kante. And it was almost like his nickname when he was at Valencia. So, 
Mo is a player that, for me, I've got down as a potential backup central defensive midfielder, albeit he's a little down the pecking order at the moment. But I've also got him as a wing back on either wing, um, based on what we've seen and conversations have been had so far. But I think it's interesting, Max, on that front because there's been there has been a few players that we've brought in this year. I think the gaffer talked about um, players that have got flexibility to play more than one position, and certainly across our midfield, we've got that in an abundance, haven't we? Yeah, especially in defensive midfield, because I think that's just what we were crying out for last year. If you look at the the Vale games, I think we were missing. I know we had Jordan Lydon in the squad, who would have been the perfect sort of player, but more players like that who can really come in and give it a good fight in midfield, especially some of those Tuesday night games. I think back to like the Tramia game, we were missing someone like that away. Just, I think we've got that in midfield now. I think we've got a bit of everything in midfield, whether we want to take control of the game and really play the ball around and take it to two teams. But I also think, yeah, we have options like guys like Modabri. Um, Tom Clayton can play that position as well in defence midfield where we can take control of the ball just by well smash, smashing them, basically, or really giving, really giving good press in the midfield. I think that's definitely going to be our strongest area, at least based on the squad we have at the moment. I think we probably still need a striker. Maybe if we're going to go with 5-3-2, I'd like to see maybe one more centre-back in as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I've, I, I think this is probably going to be, you know, one for for you, Joe. I mean, Joe, you and I both did the all-coms for the Woking game. Max has brought up the subjects of centre-backs. I mean, there were times, particularly early in that game, where we were a little, I felt that we, we looked a little naive in, in places um, and a little vulnerable at centre-back. And Sol Brins dug us out on a couple of occasions. But um, Angus McDonald, I mean, that is an enormous signing. And... When you put McDonald down on paper and you start looking at the options that we've got centre-back, I mean, yeah, midfield's good, but centre-back, we are probably looking stronger at centre-back than I think I can remember us looking for many a season. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, Angus McDonald was a, well, it's a pants-off signing, isn't it? I think that's probably the best way to put it. That's a, It's almost, I know you mentioned in the uh, group chat earlier in the week, Hannah, that it's... It's sort of your your Gordon Greer's type signing, isn't it? I think, I mean, there's rumours of him. He, he could be captain material, possibly. Um, obviously, who knows? But even if he's not a captain, he, he seems like a leader. Um, I've been reading a lot of Rotherham fans' tweets this week. They're not over the moon that they've let him go. Um, I'll just be, for League 2, he's, he's 29 years old, so technically he's sort of in his prime. But to me, that's a that's a stupid signing at this level. It's just whether or not we can keep him fit, I guess, because obviously last year um, he struggled with injury. And then the year before, I think the year before, we played like 48 games for, for Rotherham in the Championship. So that's not too bad. And obviously he had his health problems beforehand as well. So, I mean, we've got a fantastic sports science department. If we can keep him sort of top of his fitness, what a signing that is. I mean, and even even the other centre-backs we've got, I mean, you know, we get him with Matthew Bowdry. Um, when we saw him at Woking, Hannah's, we were sat there and we were just discussing how much of a Rolls-Royce footballer he looked like at the back. He looked like a Ben Gladwin in defence, the way he was dribbling past players and bringing the ball out. So, I mean, obviously you're not going to get 50 games a season from from Frenchie, but yeah, obviously we've got loads, loads of players around there. You've got Kieran Brennan, who looks good, I thought. Um, Harry's, yeah. Ken Harry's maybe, obviously, I don't think he had the best game, but Again, he's he's done well where where he's been beforehand, and then Tom Clayton. I, I mean, 
I've only just got just about got over that um, assist for Harry McCurdy from Tom Clayton because that was a that was sexual. Yeah, and let, let's be clear about that assist as well because we were having a little bit of banter with with him and the gaffer after the game. Yeah, um, and we we were during the commentary we described it as agricultural, which was completely out of order. Um, it literally was Glenn Hoddle-esque, wasn't it? And and the gaffer was keen to point out that Tom Clayton has absolutely got that in his locker. Like, the ability to hit those passes, like, hit those channels, hit the, hit, like, essentially, 40, 50-yard passes to feet, he's got that in an abundance. And and his ability, I think the thing that really interests me about Clayton is his ability to step in and fill the role that Lewis Reed uh, operates. Because, you know, there were times last year where I just felt like, poor Lewis, like, you know, he was he was absolutely, you know, I mean, it was almost like he, we needed him every minute of every game. And when, when Ryan East was asked to fill that those um, that role uh, when Lou was missing through suspension, I mean, it was it, it was like an impossible task for him. But there's something about Tom Clayton that, that again, I use that word Rolls-Royce. He looked very, very composed on the ball, very, very comfortable moving the ball around. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, from what I've read as well, he's not actually a centre-back naturally. Um, I think he played a lot of his time at Liverpool in sort of number six, potentially number eight as well. Yeah, yeah. I was, yeah, I, I was speak. I spoke to a mate who's a Liverpool fan. He said he's more of a defensive midfielder, but can play centre back. Yeah, I mean, you could tell the way he was on the, the on the ball. He was just he looked so comfortable. Um, he said to us as well after the game that as soon as he's got that ball, his head start looking for for Harry on the run, and he's been here, he's been in the building probably less twenty less than twenty four hours, and he knows that Harry's making that run. Um, yeah, I think out of all the signings, genuinely, I know Angus McDonald's a fantastic signing. We're all really excited for Saidu Khan, but Tom Clayton, I think that's maybe my pick of the bunch at the minute. Well, I, th- I think he was outstanding. I'll tell you the player that also really caught our eye, and there was a little slip towards the end of the game, which was, you know, clearly, a, a you know, nothing more, nothing less than a momentary lapse. But the, the physical stature of Harrison Minturn when he came on and replaced Matt Bowdry, I mean, yeah. I... I, I was absolutely so. In many ways, Tom Clayton, his physicality reminded me of Harry Minturn last season. Harry Minturn this season um, just looks physically like a, a different beast altogether. You know, really big, really imposing. You know, he, obviously he's at that stage of life where he's going to be putting on, you know, the man muscle, so to speak. But um, but he also looked really composed on the ball, didn't he, um, Joe? He was he was very very comfortable bringing the ball out the back. He had that same kind of dip of the shoulder that Matt Bowdry had. Mm. Um, and he, in terms of someone that started like bringing the ball out the back and starting attacks from the back, I mean, Minturn is going to be, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be hard work for him forcing, forcing, I don't think anyone's got him down as a starter. It's going to be hard work for him forcing his way ahead of the likes of Kieran Harry's, etc. Um, it is, yeah. I think as well, obviously he dropped in, as you say, for, for Frenchy and he was in the middle of the back three, which I think is quite a, it's quite a vulnerable position um, when you're playing a three-five-two, because essentially, if, if you're if you're giving the ball away, then you're leaving the keeper on his sort of haunches, aren't you? Um, but yeah, he, he looked he looked super confident on the ball. He looked, as you say, he looked built. Um, and, and we all love an academy graduate, don't we? Coming through, someone the fans can latch on to. Um, I thought a lot of the academy boys looked good. I mean, Anton Dvorak, he caught my eye in that game. I, I'm not too sure how much of an involvement he's going to have this year. But he looked very, very talented. It's the first yeah. time I've seen him play, I think. Well, yeah, there's been a lot of talk on Dorzak, hasn't there? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, Reading lad, um, you know, brilliantly came on the show at the end of the game, seemed to enjoy his kind of media debut, as I think it was. Um, you know, for a lad that was so young, he was really, really effervescent as a character. Um, you know, very bubbly, um, very, very confident. Um, he obviously nearly scored, forced a great save from the Woking keeper. Um, you've got to remember that, you know, Woking had a lot of Football League experience in that lineup. And our, our second half lineup had a lot of youngsters in it. But one other youngster I'm going to mention as well um, before we um, before we move on too far away from the, the back line was 16-year-old Sonny Hart. Now, Sonny Hart was uh, only just turned 16. And it's fair to say, Joe, we were gobsmacked what a unit Sonny Hart was. And it was only after the game that I found out he'd literally just turned 16. But he looked very, very comfortable playing on the right of a back three, didn't he? He did, yeah. He was When he came on, we were sat there for 10 minutes calling him a trialist because we thought he must be some some trialist has come in that's with at least National League experience, you know, he, he just, he, he fit right in. Um, and yeah, I, I, speaking to him after the game as well, he genuinely, I think he's taller than me, um, which is a bit disconcerting, but yeah, he, he does, he does not look 16 years old, does he? And he, and also not even just physical thing. He also looked like he could play a bit of football. So yeah, he, he absolutely he did. Um, and there was, I mean, it was interesting because I'd, we'd, we'd heard some people mentioning, you know, previous sort of, you know, investors at the club that had had, um, you know, family members playing for the club. Obviously, Adam Hart is the chap that is responsible for a lot of the fitness and conditioning at Swindon Town Football Club. And uh, I've heard murmurs that apparently Sonny is all part of that swirl and so on and so forth. But um, I've, I've, got, I've got to tell you, um, whether he is or he isn't, I certainly, if we've got a 16-year-old that's coming on and imposing himself against national uh, uh, National League attackers in the way that he did um then you know the future's bright but um yeah certainly interesting academy graduate on the right hand side i tell you who else caught our eye um was george calmeadow so he was another one joe that we we commented on that physically had really filled out so he, he again seems to be putting on his man man muscles I, I don't know whether he is quite you know ready in terms of sort of going to be pushing for a place in our first team this year because he's also going to be up against the likes of Romeo Hutton. He's going to be up against the likes of Tyree Shade. And there are other players that are equally are going to be, you know, um, vying for a position down the right-hand side. But but Calmeadow had, um, he had a lovely touch on the, on you know, on the run, didn't he? And certainly showed loads of attacking intent. Um, mm. Do you think that Calmeadow, Joe, is going to be one of those lads that we should be looking to get out on loan fairly quickly? Or did you see enough against Woking to suggest that he'll be in, in and around the first-team squad this year? Um, I think he certainly can be. Uh, he showed a lot of, like I say, attacking endeavour. I'm not too sure where he sort of played previously, but I'm fairly sure it's not a right wing back. Um, he looked very sort of controlled on the ball. Um, probably not a lot in the way of defensive sort of mindset, which is absolutely fine. You know, if we want to see attacking play, we want to see attacking football. But I think, yeah, you mentioned it, sending him out on loan to your Chippenhams or maybe a Supermarine or something just to play against men uh, regularly, it can have wonders. If you look at sort of what happened with Ricky Aguilar last year, he he left a boy and came back a man, didn't he? So I think as well, it's just it's the mindset of I'm, I'm playing against lads here that are twice my size. If I'm taking too long on the ball, I'm going to get crunched. Um I think it's a good sort of work experience. So I think he 
in my mind, he's probably one of the ones that you want to see out on loan, at least for the first part of the season. Um, if he's not, then obviously stick around the squad. You've got the Papa John's trophy. Um, I'm sure there'll be opportunities for the young lads to have a run out. But yeah, he, he, he does look very promising. He looks very good. Well, Okay, so listen, we're going to, I mean, Max, I'll bring you back in here and I'm hopeful that we're going to get um, a few listeners willing to come in and contribute because n- none of none of us were obviously present at the Eastleigh game. Um, and unfortunately, I miss Supermarine and Melksham as well. And I appreciate Melksham was almost like a bit of a tune-up for us, even going into our pre-season games. But as we move into the three central midfielders, this for me is a really, really hot topic for debate. And please do, guys, see if you're interested in joining in, please do send us your speaker request because I'm really, really keen to get people's thoughts on who you think should be our starting three central midfielders going into the new season. Because, um, so obviously myself and Joe um, commented um, long and hard on Johnny Williams, Louis Reed, and Ben Gladwin as our midfield three. But since the Woking game, we've got Sadiou Khan that's been added to the mix. Obviously we've talked about Clayton being, you know, very much part of the mix. We've now introduced Ronan Darcy, who came on against Woking. Um, we've got Ricky Aguiar, who's part of this mix. We've got Ellis Iandolo. We talked about Anton Dvorak, who's another, again, youngster that came in. I think we all know that Jordan Lydon is going, he's, he's probably not going to be in with a shout until October at very, very least. But um, certainly really, really keen um, to get any of your hot takes on who you would start with. And in fact, Charlie's joined us. Charlie, good evening. Do you want to um, give us your sort of hot takes, mate, on who you go with for your starting three? No, Charlie's clearly dropped off. Max, who who will you go with for your starting three? We'll try and see if we can get Charlie back on. But if you've got Johnny Williams, Louis Reed, Ben Gladwin, is that who you're going with? Or have you got alternative thoughts? Because we've obviously the Gambian is now in town, um, as he so delightfully announced himself on socials. Yeah. Ronan Darcy looks almost like a like-for-like um, Jack Payne replacement. Who are you going with? I feel for I feel for Scott Lindsay because this is he must have such a headache of who he, you think that first game against Harry who's he going to pick? For for me, I'm a big Ellis fan. I think I I think I'd have um, Ellis and Reedy with um, Johnny Williams in a bit more of an advanced position. Um, I think that's the sort of lineup I go with. That's interesting because you know what the gaffer said this week that Ben Gladwin's lost five like came back five kilos lighter at the start of preseason. And Joe yeah. and I both said just how much more attacking intent Ben Gladwin showed. Now, again, I don't want to just keep on making this sound like the Woking show. Um, but, you know, the, the gaffer is saying that he is looking for Ben Gladwin to kind of like grab games by the scruff of the neck and really drive on. And I think one of the one of the sort of reasons Ben Gladwin got a lot of stick last year was he did seem to be a little bit more pedestrian, as in he would take up a position to get the ball into him and better be looking to hit those passes as opposed to get on the ball and drive forward in a sort of Jack Payne-esque fashion. But I mean, Ben Gladwin's strike against Woking was top, top, top. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I did enjoy watching that. Yeah, absolute top class. But you'd still go with Ellis over Ben, would you, Max? What's she thinking? I just think Ellis just does such a solid job in midfield. I think every time I've watched him play in midfield, I don't think he's put a hook wrong. I don't see him as a left-back. I think... He's the guy you go with because of how reliable he was last season, especially. Um, I think he was one of our top performers towards the end of the season. Um, I think he's and um, his place in that team. But then I think the thing we've got now is that, yeah, that might be what we start with. But we've got so many good options that, yeah, you could put Gladwin in that advanced position easily, rotating around with Williams. Or you could put um, 
Khan sounds like that sort of midfielder as well. Um, it sounds like Tom Clayton can play the sort of um, deep-lying midfield role as well. The, I think the good thing is we have so many options, especially when, that, when the fixtures get packed, that we're not going to have to worry about midfield at all. It's just it's a good it's a good problem to have, right? I know that's the cliche, but no, no, I think it's a wonderful problem to have, and I'm going to ask Dean to tell us what he's going to do about the problem. Good evening, Dean. How are you? Oh, come on, Dean! Don't let me down. Unmute that mic, mate, and give me your introductions because I know you're a massive Ben Gladwin fan. How are you, buddy? Yeah, good. Thanks. How you doing? You good? Yeah, very good, thanks. So we were just talking about the fact that the gaffer has given us, um, I mean, he's given himself a, a headache, hasn't he? Um, let's be totally frank. But um, what a good headache for us to have. He's, I think the biggest headache is going to be trying to keep all those midfielders happy this year. But who, who? I mean, on the, on the assumption we're lining up as a 3-5-2, who's your three that you're going for in the middle? Uh, I'm going Reed, Khan. I would have Khan. I think... Midfield last year, we were so slow at times. Um, I think that's what caught us out in a lot of games. Um, I think he offers a little bit getting up and down, doesn't he? He offers that bit of pace. But that third one could be Williams. Or if we don't get a striker in before that game, you could play Williams a bit further forward. So, I don't know, play Williams off of McCurdy possibly for that first game. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I would definitely, my three would be Reed. Khan and Williams would be my first my first choice for free. I think we need to remember last year as well, Williams and Gladwin for the first half of the season were effectively one player, weren't they? Uh, the way that they were rotated a lot and it was just one player and I think that worked wonders and it's no coincidence that when we started playing Gladwin a bit more, he was out injured for a while. So I think just need to go careful with him. I think you're bang on, mate. As you say, there was almost like the shift change, wasn't there, at 70 minutes? You know, Johnny would come off or Ben would come off and Johnny would go on or Ben. Now, but it, it seemed, obviously, as the season went on, Johnny got more and more and more minutes. As you say, similarly with Ben, the more minutes he got, obviously, it then led to a bit of a breakdown. But, however, going back to what the gaffer was saying, you know, coming back into pre-season, five kilos lighter. And, and now, obviously, with all that pre-season under his belt, I mean, it's exciting times, isn't it? I mean, who? It, it really, it's down to Johnny Williams and Ben Gladwin, isn't it? You know, they, they've certainly got the, more than enough quality to be lead two central midfielders. You know, they are definitely. Uh, I, I worry about it defensively. I, you know, I know it's a bit boring, but I do think that's what cost us a lot last year. You know, if you play those three in the middle, it's very, very slow. It's not as in getting back. And I do think that caught us out a lot last year. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a home and away midfield if I'm honest with it. I wouldn't, you know, certain him changing it up, you know, home and away for certain games, which we we didn't really do a lot last year. So yeah, it's a tough one. So all right, so Khan's a really interesting one, Dean. Did you um did you make it down to Eastleigh? Have you or have you got any intel yourself? Because all I've got, really, is the whisperings of some Maidstone fans. Um, and But I'm told at Chesterfield that his game really came on. Um, have you? Is there anything other than just the, the social media chatter about Khan that sort of led to you selecting him? Or, um, like, do you know something we don't? Um, no, not really. I'm a bit of a football geek. Um, I'm a bit of a stats geek myself, and I do look at that sort of stuff. And, you know, he's someone who I do like. I've 
you know, I've heard a lot about him over the last, only the last 12 months, I've got to be honest with you. Um, he's very, very well thought of, wasn't he? And uh, it's universally liked really amongst Chessfield fans. So it's quite hard to find that in football these days. Usually as soon as the player goes, you know, we've seen that ourselves, haven't we, this season? Everyone's awful all of a sudden the minute they've left us. So, you know, to to get quite the following that he has and the clips that I have seen, he looks strong. He looks a lot more mobile than our midfielders were last year, for example. Um, you know, I thought um, when uh, Ricky came in, actually, at the beginning, he offered us something really different, looked brilliant. But I think we could see that uh, a non-professional pre-season, shall we say, last summer, probably caught up with him. So I think he may be one who breaks through, actually. But that's just my opinion. I'm usually wrong. On that, but I just think he looks quite. I think he could be the one to look out for by the end of the season. I mean, Ricky's bulked out as well, wasn't he, Hannah's? Oh, yeah. I, I really, really think he has. Now, interesting, I was derided by Harry McCurdy for suggesting as much at the back end of last season because I felt, and it could have just been a confidence thing that maybe he's playing with his chest puffed out and a little bit more swagger, but I felt that. When he came back from Chippenham, um, he looked like physically a different specimen altogether. Um, but, you know, McCurdy was absolutely of the opinion that I was talking nonsense um, and that it wasn't anything to do with hitting the gym or bulking up. That surprises me. He disagreed. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Well, you know, he had a very, very strong opinion on it. But, you know, nonetheless, when um, obviously it was apparent that Jack Payne was highly likely to be exiting the building, for me, it was like, well, the replacement is already through the door. You know, we've got, you know, Ricky Aguiar showed me last season loads of, you know, attacking intent. I mean, he had that lovely little peak, didn't he? Notched a couple of yeah. goals. Um, you know, looked looked really, really capable. But as you say, I, I, I kind of felt that, you know, by the time he sort of came out of the team, he almost needed that break. Like, you know, it was amazing. Yeah, absolutely right. So, I mean, I mean, it's interesting. Now, we've not even talked about Ronan Darcy yet. I mean, I got my first glimpse of Darcy against Woking. Um, you know, obviously, he's, he's had minutes throughout pre-season. Have you been to any of the any of the pre-season games, Dean? Is there anything that you've seen from Ronan Darcy? I've not seen nothing of Darcy, to be honest. Um, again, I've not got any opinion of him, I have to be honest, because I've only seen social media, so I wouldn't be doing him any justice if I, if I did. But, nah. Uh, I've not seen much of the preseason. I've been far too busy with summer holidays myself this year. So, uh, <laughs> for once, you're allowed to go. So, uh, yeah, it's been a, like I said, I've not really caught I've seen highlights and things like that. Uh, and, you know, there's some people's opinions that you read and some people you don't. Um, uh, yeah, I think he, it'll certainly be a good. Well, I think the best way to look at it is our bench this year is going to be brilliant. You know, I look at Port Vale and I think, what cost us, you know, we wasn't even in a position to rest Louis Barry, for example. You know, I think, you know, he would have been ideal in the second leg to bring off, uh, bring on from the bench, for example, when we were chasing that winner. Yeah. And we just didn't have that, you know, and looking at it already this season, you know, we've got three more loans we can get in. You know, if we're up and around it in January, you know, we're going to be in a good position to bring up a couple of impact players on loan or, you know, I just think that we look stronger already all around the pitch. Might not be in terms of the quality of player, but I think the squad, I think, looks a lot stronger already. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you what I really like, and we've not talked about this yet. I mean, we've still got, obviously, strikers to talk about, but there's 
there is a certain kind of feeling that the sort of players that we are bringing into our football club have all got big points to prove or yeah. that they're, they're coming back from something which is really, really, really tough. And I mean, we, we, we touched on, and it's not really for us to dip too far into Angus McDonald's sort of personal story. It's out there in the, in the, you know, in the, in the public domain, obviously Angus has had um, some health and some injury issues, you know, and he's overcome those. Um, and he's back, you know, he was back playing at the tail end of last season and he's the fans of the clubs that he's playing for are very, very sad to see him go. But, you know, again, I mean, we to confirm that Angus has been captain of, you know, of more than one of his previous clubs further up the leagues, Barnsley being one of them. And I believe he, he will be armband either for Hull or Rotherham. So yeah. Angus coming in is a very, very exciting signing. Um, Sadio Khan's story, I think, is fascinating. You know, he's um, obviously his roots are from the Gambia. Um, he's had a whole host of interesting kind of, you know, once his family kind of settled in the UK, a whole, whole host of, of interesting jobs and clubs that he's represented. He's really had to graft his way up through the kind of, you know, the non-league game before he's got his chance at Chesterfield, still non-league. And now he's got his big charm. He's, he's pr- certainly proved himself to the Chesterfield fans as being capable of carrying them back into the football league. And now he's got his chance at Swindon Town. And, you know, other you've got other players. Ronan Darcy's a fascinating example. You know, a lad that when Bolton were going through their troubles and they were blooding 15, 16-year-olds in the first team, Ronan Darcy was seen as being one of the lads that was really, you know, was going to sort of really light things up and then seemed to lose his way a little bit, sort of didn't necessarily kind of, you know, figure in the manager's plans and has ended up playing his football out in Norway. And Ronan Darcy's come back with a with a twinkle in his eye and with a point to prove that you know he's he's good to go at this level, you know. But we you know talk about Ben Gladwin and his injuries. He's come back clearly. He feels that he's coming back with a point to prove. He's five kilos lighter, you know. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what Johnny Williams has got in the tank coming into this season after a full preseason. I mean, I could just keep going and going and going. It, it, it I'm, I'm really really hoping that that Jordan Lydon in October is going to be in a similar position because I think we've not spent any time talking about him. But I mean, Max, I'll get your view on Jordan Lydon. I think we're all of the similar opinion, are we not? That if, if Jordan Lydon is fit in October, he's not only one of our best midfielders, but he's one of the division's best midfielders, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. If he can stay fit, um, that's obviously the question that he seems to be getting injuries Different, it's different injuries every time. But yeah, once he's in the team, he's the perfect field to have. Again, he gives you a lot of options of what sort of role you want him to play, right? So, and it's just, again, it's just another option. One thing we haven't actually touched on with that is that we are going to five substitutes this season. So I think that probably helps with having the depth is now we can get more minutes into some of these depth players that normally wouldn't get as many minutes, but we're also going to save the legs of a lot of players. Um, I think also that we're going to lose Johnny Williams for what, possibly, possibly a month when he goes away to the World Cup, and he's obviously going to have other international breaks before then. So, well, James, oh. James Burgoyne, we'll have you know, we're likely to lose him for pretty much the entire of the back end of the year because Wales probably will. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, yeah but, you know, it's a very, very good point, Max, because we've not even mentioned obviously the World Cup now. Obviously, we don't have to worry about JoJo anymore, but but Johnny actually disappearing is a big bit because obviously one of our real key players. So you need that depth in that midfield, don't you? So, all right, let, let's so devil's advocate. Johnny goes off to the World Cup. Who do you slot straight in there, Max? I think I think that's where Khan probably goes in, right? If, he, if he's playing that more advanced role, I think it's, it's going to be a mixture of Khan and Gladwin that would sort of fill that role. Yeah, yeah, I'll make you right. I think, I, 
I think the other thing that's really exciting, I mean, the gaffer's been asked about a plan B. Um, I think the interesting thing about our midfielders, and you start thinking about a plan B, all players that can play in multiple positions. I can see Johnny playing on, you know, on the wide of a front three. I can actually see Ellis playing on the wide of a front three. I thought that... Definitely, yeah. Yeah, Ellis, Ellis on the left wing, I think, is an option there. Oh, 100%. I think Ellis is forward play, ball at the feet. I think Ellis is one of the best dribblers at the club. Um, you know, speaking from a fan's point of view, I don't know whether I've not seen enough of Ronan Darcy, but, you know, the Bolton fans that I've spoken to have talked about his attacking ability. So, again, is Ronan Darcy an option if you switch to a front three, you know, playing as a right winger? Um, I think that's really exciting. So you've I've got- heard nothing but good things about Ronan Darcy from Bolton fans up here. Oh, I mean, he's, you know, and, and interestingly... Um, you know, he's he's already sort of made an impression behind the scenes. And I think most people have seen his interview um, where there's a real twinkle in his eye. I mean, he's absolutely determined to do the business at Swindon Town, but there's a real twinkle in his eye. And, and he just he just can't wait to get going. Can't, and he wants to get on the ball and he wants to make things happen. You know, he's, he's, he's saying all the things that we as fans want to hear from like an attacking player. Like, you know, so... I think Ronan Darcy is a very exciting player, but again, here we are. Like we're, we're talking about all these players, we're not even talking about Ricky Aguiar. Now, Ricky Aguiar was interesting because I think it was Supermarine. Aguiar was wearing a captain's armband, was he not? Or was it Melksham? Um, so, I think it was a Melksham game, he was, yeah. So he's, he's right up there in the manager's thoughts. Um, right up there. So oh God, it's, it's super exciting. But look, okay, so we, we talk, well, I mean, we can literally keep talking and talking and talking. The only, the only other thing that I think I. I do think we haven't mentioned Reese Devine at all. Um, now, Reese Devine, obviously, I think it was Dean mentioned that um, obviously when when players leave their clubs, when Dean was talking about Khan, players leave their clubs and people are always willing to put the boot in, and they weren't really doing that against Khan. But certainly, um, I've seen the like. Obviously, we've all seen the Rovers fans doing that to Kean Harris and so forth, and and certainly Warsaw fans weren't backwards in coming forwards putting the boot in on Reese Devine, but. What I've seen of Reese Devine in preseason is exactly what he told us he he delivers, which is he described himself, Joe, as an engine, didn't he? And he was up and down that left hand side. It was absolute dynamite, wasn't he? He did, yeah, he was. He was um he was really good. I, like I say, I think we briefly mentioned earlier in the show about a striker coming in. I think maybe a left wing back just as a cover for, for Reese. But I mean, I saw a lot of Walsall fans sort of almost giving it large that we signed him because they didn't, didn't particularly rate him. But I'm not being funny. You're not a Man United for over 10 years, like consistently starting in the 18s, 23s, if you haven't got a bit about you. Um, and I'm not saying Walsall don't play very good football, but he's come to a side now that's going to be possession-based. I think no matter what you think about Man United, I'm sure their, their academy is probably play a style of football that's probably possession-based attacking football, I'd, I'd assume. Um, yeah, but I mean, with the best... Yeah, league. and he's 20. He's tw- he's only 20 as well. Like, you think exactly. how much development he's got ahead of him. He's yeah. so up for it as well. You can tell he's so up for, for this move. And he, I think he, he genuinely believes that this, this is his time to really break through as a professional footballer. Now, that were the best will in the world. Like, you know, Warsaw fans need to get back in their box a little bit because I'm not going to be digging Reese Devine out off the back of what he delivered at Warsaw last season. When they were when they were deploying the three centre backs, you know, in in the manner that they were, I mean, the three centre backs are so bad that they've signed a forty year old centre back this season to step in and try and restore some order. So to say that Reese Devine is going to have been a little bit overexposed last year, I mean, we can't approve that anyway. When we've absolutely ripped them to pieces, haven't we? But I think one of the reasons why I wanted to bring up Reese Devine was it. One of the concerns for me 
in that left wing back position at the moment, unless we bring someone else in, is that it kind of means that Ellis Iandolo, again, continues to be with so much competition down the middle of the park. Fellis can't get himself sort of like stamped on as one of the automatic starters in the central midfield. And I might hasten to add, based on some of the performances I saw last season, he absolutely should. I don't really want to be seeing Ellis Iandolo being deployed as a left wing back again. Um, Dean, do you, do you, I'll get your, your take on this. Um, I, I love Ellis as a player. I love Ellis as an attacking player. I'm not Ellis's biggest fan as a left wing back. And I really don't like the idea of Ellis because he's kind of got that flexibility in the tank. It's almost like, oh, well, we, I can just imagine the conversation. Well, Ellis can slot in there, but he's, he's not the answer, is he? No, I don't think he is. And, you know, that's not, you know, any slight on him as a player as such, you know, uh, I just don't think he is a left wing, but I do think it's worth noting that I, I'm not too sure about. I think if I remember rightly, Ty, I liked him last year. Tyrese Shade um, was best for Walsall last year at the left wing back. They absolutely raved about him as a left wing back. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if we seen him go to left wing back with the, is it Hutton? Uh, a right wing back. I wouldn't be surprised if that's what we see happening sooner or later. It's a lot more physical, a lot more height at the back and athleticism. So that's what I can see happening and Divine actually being on the bench, which I don't know where that leaves Ellis, um, which was your question, wasn't it? Um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen, uh, you know, based on what Walsall fans said about him last season. Well, do you know what? Ty- Tyree Shade's an interesting one. I think I've, I've mentioned to a few a few folk that um, I have uh, had conversations with people that have been involved in Tyree Shade's career and they were sort of saying right. one of the things that has kind of maybe held him back so far is similar to Ellis. He's almost like he's, he's although he's, he was Leicester's player, he's kind of like Warsaw's version of, of Ellis in that he's got flexibility, can play in a range of positions that he ends up being a Jack of all trades, master of none kind of character. And, and I think, you know, certainly when I was talking to these people ahead of his move to Swindon, they were of the opinion that he just, you know, he was, he was, you know, he should have been Warsaw's star turn last year. And yeah. that, as you say, he kind of found that position, sort of made it his own. It's going to be a. It, it's, I, I kind of I want us to get the best out of that lad because I will tell you what, against Woking, I mean, he's very, very powerful. Descent yeah. quick. He's got one of those strides, Dean. That when he's running with the ball, it doesn't look like he's actually going very quick. A little bit like um, Gladwin, if you know what I mean. Like he can, he, he can. If you think of the Ben Gladwin of old, he'd be striding across the pitch. You think he's not moving very quick just because he's got that ungainly stride. Tyree Shade reminded me a little bit of that. Um, I thought he was very good, um, even though it was a bit of a nothing game at the end. But Walsall away the last game of the season, obviously he was right in front of us on the left wing. And, you know, I've been banging the drum all last season. Actually, I did want to sign him. It was a bit of a strange one when it happened because I was really impressed with him. Even when we hammered them at home, I thought, you know, but even there, you're right. They moved him into centre midfield that game. Um, you know, so he, he, he is very versatile, but... I can see, like I say, I've just got a feeling he's going to be, by the end of the month, you know, the first four or five games, that'll be his position at left wing back. Um, so, I, you know, that more or less goes back to the point that I'd, I wanted a left wing back. But when I looked at it, I think we've probably got three there now. So maybe we don't need to go and get one. You know, we've also, got three. Do can do the job. I'd rather not. was a striker, wasn't he, when he was brought into Walsall? He yeah. He a striker for, for Leicester's youth teams. That's so. it, yeah. It's- I'm looking on his transfer mark page and he's played every position bar centre-back in his career at some point. So, yeah. 
Yeah, it's very versatile, so not too bad an option to have at left wing back. But yeah. going back to what you said about Ellis, yeah, it's but it, it's a bit of a tricky one because again, it goes back to the pace thing. I just really think that you could see the silly free kicks that we were given away last season. You know, stemmed from the midfielders tracking back. You know, the amount of times we saw them pulling a shirt back, or you know, the frustrating free kicks that we've seen all last season all come down to, you know, players running straight past them. And I hope that's not what we see again this season because it and do a lot of good signings, I think. A lot of good work. Yeah. Well, I'll make you right. Well, listen, I mean, like I said, what what a wonderful... I mean, we've literally been speaking for, what, the best part of 40 minutes there, I would say, just talking about the, the embarrassment, the riches that we've got across our midfield. And, um, I mean, listen, as we, we progress on to this, this forward line, OK, so listen, I'm looking at a, a list of players here that's, that, you know, we have five strikers in the building at the moment. Irrit- and that's not including, obviously, the flexibility of Shade playing up front or any, you know, an Ellis being, you know, play- deployed as a left winger. But I'm looking at Jacob Wakeling, Oscar Massey, Harry Parsons, Tommy Adeloy and Harry McCurdy. Now, I know what everyone's going to be thinking that those five are crying out for a big, experienced number nine to come in and play alongside them. Now, I am reliably informed by um, Air United fans that Tommy Adeloy can play as a number nine. Now, I can't comment. I've seen the same highlights reel you guys have had. He looks half decent with his back to goal. Um, I've not, obviously, I don't believe, um, again, please someone correct me if Tommy made his um, sort of unofficial town debut, if you will, uncompetitive town debut. I don't believe he played against Eastleigh because I think we're still waiting for international clearance. But um, I'm told he's a big bustling um, centre forward. Um, And the way that he was described to me was akin to the way that Tyree Simpson was described to me when Ipswich fans, um, a few of whom I went to university with, were telling me about Tyree Simpson. So, interesting. I mean, Harry Parsons is somebody that, you know, could potentially play the number nine position. But, I mean, Joe, we, we, we should probably spend a bit of time talking about what we saw. Again, we're going to be talking about Woking. And again, I'm sorry for anyone that went to Eastleigh, but... Obviously, they started with Wakelin and McCurdy, I believe, against Eastleigh. What we yeah. saw was what I'm told people that went to Eastleigh saw. Loads of hustle and bustle from Wakelin, like literally playing off his shoulders, pressing, pressing, pressing nonstop. Um, McCurdy, very, very busy. I mean, we we were both of the opinion that those two worked very well together in a two. Mm. Um, the issue that you got, I think it's fair to say, we didn't really hold the ball up. Um, against Woking, did we? We got the ball, we got the ball forward, and then we seemed to kind of create chances through pressing. But yeah, we weren't holding the ball up, were we? No, we weren't. Um, I mean, I know you, Wakeling caught your eye particularly, didn't he? He, he was you were uh, waving the flag for. We'll call him Luke Wakeling for the sake of it, shall we? No, um, let's not do that because that was that was silly and churlish of you, and he's quite clearly Jacob Wakeling. Yeah, I'll take that one. That was my fault. Apologies. Um, <laughs> no, I, yeah, I think obviously Harry's the start, isn't he? Um, I said, Tommy, I mean, I've the only thing is, like, obviously, everyone's seen his, his um, highlight reel last season, he looks good. I'm not too sure what the standard of the Scottish Championship is like. Um, I'd imagine, obviously, you tend to see the same sort of teams in the Premiership, don't you, every year? So, um, it's probably one of those ones where a team goes down. The team that goes up gets relegated the next year. The team went down the year before, goes back up again. Um, and you're probably filled with a, a bit of fodder in between. Um, 
apologies to anyone listening if I support a Scottish Championship side. But yeah, I, I, I'm not 100% sure he's going to be a, a starter. Um, Wakeling, I think, could be more of a starter. But again, it's his first pro season, really. He had two or three games for Barrow last year. So we are we are crying out for a a recognised striker to start up with with Maka. Um, I mean, Tory Simpson's name doesn't go away, does it? Uh, I know Ipswich have got a, a stupid valuation. Look at is... Max is straight off the music. But that's, he's, he's no going. one, no one is going to pay that much for Tyree Simpson. He's like it'll get to a point where it's getting to the end of August and they just want him off the books, like he's the wages. As well, so it's yeah. So the, that's what I mean. No one's what was what was it they're asking for him six hundred thousand was it or for an no eighteen year old or a nineteen year old with like half a season's professional football under his belt with one year in his contract? Yeah, no, he's coming home. Well, <laughs> listen, I mean, uh, look, I'll, there's there's a couple of things that I'll add, and I'm sure it's things that all you all everyone else on Twitter and everyone else across the social space has noticed themselves, but. It's very unusual for a player to play for a club the stature of Ipswich Town and be the age that Tyree Simpson is and not be trumpeting on your social media that you are A, a professional footballer and B, a professional footballer that represents Ipswich Town. All right. Now, young Tyrese isn't doing either of that. Um, you know, it's fair to say, because there are some people that do like to repost stuff on socials, that Tyrese has kept in regular contact with Swindon Town fans um, and has expressed emotion is probably the best way to say it in relation to him no longer wearing the red of Swindon Town. And to your point, Max, this is all conjecture at the end of the day, but to your point, Tyree Simpson, there is no way that a lad of Tyree Simpson's ability off the back of half a season in League Two, where he he was on a very, very sharp development curve, I mean, it's fair to say the Tyree Simpson Max that left, you know, that left to return to Ipswich is a very, very different footballer to the Tyree Simpson that we'll recall turning out against Peterborough in pre-season. Um, I cannot see how six hundred thousand pounds is being attached to Tyree Simpson now. However, I I think if I was in Clem's position and I was a wealthy wealthy um, business services uh, company owner and had a few bob in the bank. And potentially I could get a Tyree Simpson on a three to four year deal with a big fat minimum release clause in there. Um, a nice sell on fee for Ipswich to keep them sweet. Um, and a nice big number nine to slot in there alongside Harry McCurdy, where their partnership's already proven. And a nice interesting individual to slot in alongside the likes of a, a Wakelin or an Oscar Massey or a Tommy Adelaide. I tell you what, I mean, for me, it feels like just sensible business. It really does. But I still think that Tyree Simpson is still probably, he's just not ready, I don't believe, to be kind of signing for. I, I think he's got to play football, right? Max, he's yeah. not. Yeah. Gonna... Under 23 football was not... will do him no good. He's not going to go into League One and play football, mate, is he? Let's be honest. He's going to come. No, to probably not. Because you look at, like, you look at, um, right, take Josh Davidson, for example. How old is he? 22 going on 23 and you can't think that Wimbledon paid much for him but again it's a, 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 I think Davidson was a similar player I don't think he, obviously I don't think he's as good as Simpson but you, I, I doubt they would they would have had a simple that sort of price tag for Davidson and he's played a lot more football than Tyrese has as well I think it just but we've got to play it smart right because we know that Clem's a good businessman and all he's got to do is wait it out we've got striker options I, I think 
we do need a striker, but I don't think we're in a position where we're desperate and we need to just sign whoever, sign some 33-year-old nomad who's, who's been there and done it and might not want, might not play for the shit like Tyrese. Even, even um, Adeloy and Wakeling, I think they could come in and they've got a points prove, right? Um, coming in, is it is, um, Adeloy that's coming from Scotland? He's going to want to come into a proper league and show what he's got. Yeah. I think he's a good option to have, but uh, I don't think he's the answer to, I wouldn't give him the number nine shirt and go into the full season with him. Although people were saying that about Simpson last year and look, look how it turned out. So just, just, just to don't add, know, do you? Just to add fuel to the fire of Ipswich's valuation, which is complete nonsense. If you go on to, obviously I'm not saying this is gospel and every club has their own valuation of their assets, which is fine. But transfer market have a rough estimate of how much a player is worth. Okay. So you've got players on the books at Ipswich, like Sonny Luco and Freddie Ladapo. We've got, we'll use Freddie Ladapo as a striker, 29 years old, got three years in his contract left. That's a good age for a striker. He's an experienced striker, scored lots of goals. He's valued at £400,000. So how, where are they getting this 600 grand for Simpson with a, year, with a year left in his contract, with 20 professional games under his belt and nine goals? It's just, it, it baffles me. It's Honestly, it's a joke. So... I, I, I think, to be totally frank, though, boys, I think if you if you try and boil this all down, I, th- I don't think there's any there's no rocket science behind this. I think with with Ipswich, they're kind of damned if they do, damned if they don't on Tyree Simpson because it, it, it you know, they they a player. I mean, again, I'm just being devil's advocate here, and it's not to say that this has happened, but a player that goes out on loan to a club, um, then returns to a club. You know, because you know, fundamentally, he wants to he wants to remain at Swindon, but he refuses to sign a, an extension to his contract, and his contract's going to run down. And obviously, they've got an option on it, right? So they 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 pull him back in, um, and then he just basically sits there. You know, he's he's now they'll say obviously he's developing, he's playing like development squad football and, and so on and so on and so forth. But it, it they've got to be kind of they they've got to be careful, haven't they? They've got to protect their club and their club's interests. You know, they can't be letting lads go out on loan. It uh, damages their own position, though, with signing future young players. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> They're sort of damned if they do, damned if they don't, aren't they? Because, they, you know, they, they don't they don't want to end up losing a player like 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 Tyree Simpson, you know, for, for literally for buttons. But then at the same time, you know, I mean, I, I guess what we're trying to say here is there's got to be a deal to be done that... that yeah. have, everybody happy and we've only got to look at how we've just benefited from Scott Twine to see that I was just about to say the same there uh, Simpson yeah. scored more goals for us than Twine did yeah we got 300 grand for Twine so playing devil's advocate you could kind of see what why they're thinking that you know he scored more goals like I say than Twine did for us so you can kind of see where they're coming from they're probably thinking well it's a bit of a gamble if we just get rid of him now for 50 60 grand or whatever or 100 grand yeah. You don't have to look at how much Twine's has gone for 12 months later. Well, so, yeah. the, thing, the thing is, well, for you, Twine Dean. went for free, didn't he? De- Dean, sorry, sorry, Joe. Dean, sorry. I have a question for you, right? So we we have seemingly had a, had just had a nice little splurge where we've obviously, Jack Payne's not staying at the club, but we've been able to go out and bring in three or four other players, strengthen the squad overall, probably for the budget that we would have allocated to, to, to Jack Payne. If you were in Clem's shoes, would you break the bank, sort of respective to Swindon Town? Would you break the bank for Tyree Simpson, or would you sort of choose to have a run with the with the bodies you've already got through the door? Uh, I'd definitely try and get someone else in. 
Um, if we could do a deal for something that didn't break the bank, then I, everyone will tell you, anyone who follows me on social media will tell you how much I love Tyree Simpson. I've stuck up for him all season. Um, but I do wonder in this level, at this level, there are strikers similar who you can get in for a lot cheaper. And I think it's worth noting, you know, if you look at what Gladwin, I may be wrong here, but if you look at Gladwin, Williams and McCurdy, he's got 40 goals there between them still. So last season, close to surely what McCurdy was, what, 25? So maybe 35 goals between those three players last season. If you bring in another striker, just a big unit up front, who can get you 10 or 15. You kind of rely on McCurdy to have a similar season, but there's definitely goals, isn't there? So I would look at a big unit. So if I could get Tyrese, yeah, I would be getting him all day long, but not weirdly after what I've just said. I still I can see where Ipswich are coming from, but I wouldn't pay it. You know that could have been the best form of his career that we ever see. Well, yeah, you don't know, dear. That could have been it. Yeah, I mean, me me personally, I'm of the opinion that he's you know. A splurge for me on Tyree Simpson would be hundred grand with yeah, a fat yeah. sell-on clause, and you know I would be looking to tie him down to a three and a half, four-year deal. I'll um, do that all day long, yeah. Because if you if you're Clem, that that looks like good business, um, and I think that mitigates against risk in so many ways. But um, the one thing that I will say, however, is you know, we've, I mean, obviously the gaffer has mentioned, his name came up this week and he has mentioned about, you know, Tyree, I think I'm not quoting him verbatim here, but words to the effect of, is is a body we'd like to see back through the door, whether that be permanent or, you know, on loan. Um, But he's not, whilst he's a big bustling number nine, he's a little bit of an anomaly, isn't he? Because he's not the experienced head that people are calling for. However, would you describe him as being experienced, Max, off the back of, you know, the, the, the goal haul he had last year and the fact that he proved that he can score in League Two? Well, yeah, he's just, I, th- I think that he's, he'll obviously have a relationship with Lindsay. He's got a relationship with m- many of the players here. But I think the key thing that we brought him back would be his link up play with McCurdy. Um, you know, instantly there's a partnership there that can work straight away and you can get goals and assists out of both of them. I think yeah, if, if, if there's if there's a player you're going to break the bank for, it's going to be him. Like I'd love to see him back. Absolutely love to see him back. I was gutted when he left. I think the way Ipswich handled it was pretty perfect, to be honest, because they could have let him stay the rest of the season and triggered that extension anyway. But maybe had him come back in a better in a better state of mind to go and go on and maybe play for Ipswich this year. But they just they just completely mismanaged the whole situation, haven't they? Uh, well, yeah, well, well, I'd be like, I'd take take it with um, take it with Scott Twine, right? When we recorded him from Newport, we didn't just ditch him in the under twenty threes and force him to sign an extension. We brought him back, and he started he start he started the first game and scored straight away and came in and made contributions to the team. Mm. Well, that's listen, the sort of comparison I might make, right? I'll, Max, I'll take it right the way back to my initial point. I think if you're Tyree Simpson at his age. If you feel like you're being treated well, if your head's in a good place, um, if you're at the place you want to be, you know, and if you've got previous of representing your your footballing status on your social media as such, I think it's all over your banner, it's all over your bio, it's all over your profile pic, it's all over your social media interactions. Um, yeah. I think you're exuding it at his age. You know, I mean, to be a young pro his age playing for a massive club like that if your head's in a good place you know you are singing from the rafters um so you know listen there's so much so much in football happens 
you know, based on what a player wants. I think if he is still steadfast that he wants away, um, you know, and and he knows that, you know, he knows the club, he knows our fans. You know, I think we we'll feel somewhat like a home to, home from home to Tyree Simpson. I, I, you know, like I say, hopefully, I would like to think that a deal, a, you know, a deal would need to be done. But listen, at the end of the day, we are what. We need to be very careful what we say, but we are just a, a a fan Twitter space. At the end of the day, I'm not in you know I'm not in the know in this respect. Um, yeah. You know I'm uh, I, I I just know for the sake of of a young lad um, and for the sake of his career and so forth that yeah both clubs can can find some com, some common ground if they're in conversations anyway. But um, listen, right? I tell you what. I mean, we I mean, pretty much we we've, we've got right to the kind of tail end. But what I thought we'd do just ahead of Cardiff. Just take a little, um, take a view from each of you, Joe, Max, and Dean. Um, where's your head at so far in terms of a prediction? How are you feeling based on what you've seen so far, preseason, the signings, everything we talked about tonight? You've heard what Wardy's got to say about behind the scenes and where he's at. Um, Joe, I'll go with you first. Where do you think Town are going to be finishing in the coming season? I genuinely think we're going to have a right good go at it this year. Um, I, I think. The atmosphere of the camp seems to be really, really sort of bubbly and enthusiastic. Um, it sounds like Scott Lindsay, obviously, he knows a lot of the boys anyway, um, but they're all buying into what he's trying to preach to them. The signings, I think, have been really, really good. I mean, we've got, let's say, Angus McDonald, who is a, well, a capable championship centre back, if not a good. Championship centre back um, coming in the sort of tail of the preseason, but he's going to have the experience and know how of uh, fitting into a side. If we get a good striker in, genuinely, I think top three. I'll take that. Max, where's your head at, buddy? Yeah, I think you look at um, the quality we lost in players like um, in Payne and Egbo and Wallacott. I think we've just brought in the depth that we need and I think that's going to make all the difference, especially towards the business end of the season in those tough winter fixtures where you're playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday in, in hard conditions. Um, I think we've corrected a lot of the... Not mis- not recruit mistakes, because obviously a lot of it was beyond our control last year, but we've corrected the squad in a way that now we don't have to run players into the ground. I think that's going to make a big difference. Um, if we're bringing a striker, we're going to be t- top side of the playoffs, challenging for automatics. Um, I'm not really too sure. On what, I haven't really paid too much attention to what other clubs are doing, but there are going to be... I mean, you've seen that Crawley are throwing money at it. Stockport are going to throw money at it. Bradford are probably going to throw money at it. Um, you just got to hope that this data-driven recruiting we're doing is smarter than what those clubs are doing, right? So yeah, caught, I'd say I'm cautiously optimistic. I think that's what um that's what Rich, I stole that from Rich on he said that on LS Pod this week, but I think it perfectly describes how I feel going into this now. Yeah, it's good good footing to have. Where's where's your head at, Dean? As an experienced old head amongst us uh, <laughs> us young pups, he says. What's um <laughs> what what are you thinking, Dean? Uh if we were to start the season tomorrow and finish with what we got, I'd say playoffs. I think we've got a good enough squad. Uh, despite saying we've got the goals, I do think we just miss, we are missing something. There's just something I don't know what it is, but I'd say playoffs at the moment. If, like you say, if we brought Tyree Simpson back and he was at the level he is when he left, then I would be looking at top three definitely. Um, but yeah, playoffs, I'd be happy with that at the moment based on what we've got. Um, 
you know, like you say, we're going to lose players over the course of the season, aren't we? You know, Williams, you know, Khan could be off, you know, if he plays for Gambia, you know, we're going to lose players at key bits this season. So, how good these fringe players are, we're going to find out, aren't we? So, playoffs for me. All right, which then leads me to give you my take. Well, I'm going to say this. Don't you know, pump it up. The Reds are going up. Don't you know, pump it up. The Reds are going up. Right, I'll tell you why we're going up. Um, I'm, I have been pretty... I was. I was. When the announcement first came out about the gaffer, and I've had this conversation with him directly, I'm pleased to say, um, because he's acutely aware that a lot of the Swindon Town fan base were, to quote him, underwhelmed by his appointment. But I also pointed out that that underwhelmed feeling across the fan base seemed to um, be replaced with certainly within the space of a week or two with a kind of, well, all right, actually, well, this maybe does make some sense. Um, the thing that has also benefited me personally, having been in and around the players, around some of, I've had some nice contact with them pre-season, but also at the back end of last year and had a take from them in terms of how they feel about Scott Lindsay. Um there, there is a feeling that um, there is certainly a real affection and a real admiration and appreciation for what Scott Lindsay is all about as a gaffer um, in terms of his values, in terms of his approach to football. Um, and I think that obviously that's huge because from the outset, you've got you're going to have a squad that are just absolutely up for it. Um I've also been told that Scott really does put the effort in, in terms of the recruitment at the football club, in terms of <clears throat> playing a, a very, very active role in engaging with the players um, and understanding and, and then presenting. I mean, he's, he talked about this on the show that we did with him about how, you know, he actually sits down with players one-to-one, shows them clips of how they play and then how Swindon are going to play and how they have played and how they fit in. And and I, and I really do think that that personal relationship with players is going to be really, really important. I think the other thing that was really reflected back on me, because I had question marks in my mind about number twos becoming the, the number one, uh, you know, the, the main man. And that was one of my concerns. And um, certainly contact I've had with the players thus far is that that, is, that really isn't necessarily going to be an issue um, with Scott Lindsay. I think the thing with Lindsay is that he has definitely got it about him to show his teeth. Um, and 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 I think to be honest, as a coach, he's probably always been that man. And it's almost been explained to me that maybe Ben Chorley and indeed Scott Marshall were the individuals that were putting arms around people's shoulders, and and Lindsay was much more of, of the kind of an, an enforcer, despite the fact he's so well regarded. So that that's the first part of my argument as to why I think we're going up. I do think we've got the right man in the manager's office, and I think that is that really is key. Um, I think the, the really exciting thing, and we talked about a lot of this tonight, I think if you look across the squad, I think you look in, in pretty much every single position, we've got real competition. Um, and and again, one of the nice things about kind of, you know, playing this role that I do with the Saton Broadbent Lounge, and it has, it has afforded me a certain amount of contact in and around the squad, is that there is, it's a healthy competition. This is a really, really good bunch of lads that are already kind of, from what I've seen, gelling into a really good group. Um, I've not seen any any clicks at all. I've seen, like, literally members of the squad interacting with other members of the squad. I've, I've watched them from afar, and I've actually stood in the, in amongst them. And, and, and they all speak so highly of each other, and that's really, really positive. Um, and, and I do think that um, the, the, the keep... Just my final point, the, the keeping 
of the spine of the squad from last season. I think if you look in the goalkeeping department, let's say, for example, we start the season with Wardy as number one. We've got a cracking goalkeeper between the sticks. I think even before we've recruited a centre-back, you know, with the re-signing of Matt Bowdery at centre-back was absolutely critical. Um, and I think if he carries that form from last season into the next season, he's going to be brilliant. And then ahead of him, obviously, you've got Reedy. Now, Reedy is probably the best midfielder in that division, you know, and and by a mile for me, if I'm going to be really honest. And then ahead of him, you've got Johnny Williams, like not being funny, a Welsh international. And yeah, there were some detractors at points last season, blah, blah, blah. But Johnny Williams is still Johnny Williams. And then up top, you've got Harry McCurdy now. And we've recruited around them. There's not many not many teams at this level that have got that quality of a, of a spine to build from. Um, I think we've got experience in the right areas now. I think some of the recruitment has been spot on. I think McDonald is going to prove to be an absolutely brilliant signing. I do think Wardy's got his work cut out. What I've seen on, from Sol Brin pre-season, I think he's outstanding. I think Kieran Brennan looks like a real super centre-back. And Sheffield Wednesday fans will tell you that. Tom Clayton looks like a real baller. Tom Clayton has got pedigree. You know, Liverpool under-23 captain, Scotland under-21 international, real pedigree. You know, Kean Harris, Welsh under-21 international, sort of lost his way a little bit at Rovers, but joined Rovers from Swansea very much with his tail up, and it was like he's big move. Now, moving to Swindon, that's a big move for him. So he's going to be champing at the bit to get in the side. And then, like I said, we've got lads like Ronan Darcy. I mean, Ellis Iandolo is going to be absolutely gagging to get, you know, back in top form, left centre midfield. Let's go for it. Um you know, Jordan Lydon come back in October. If he can come back and get his fitness, like, wow, our midfield is embarrassingly good. All we're missing for me, for me to actually stand there and say, I think we're going to have a run at actually winning the bloody league this year is that number nine. Um, but I still think we're going to start the season with Jacob Wakelin, Harry McCurdy up top, worst case scenario. And that's not a bad worst case scenario. And those two boys are going to score goals. So, yeah, my towel is very, very much up. But, um, so listen, I mean, all the all the sort of um, all that is really left to be said tonight. We've had all the predictions from the guys. We've had Lewis Ward's input. Um, we've had various questions that have been flashed in across the listener base tonight. But um, we're just going to give you a little bit of insight um, in relation to what's going to be happening with the Tom Broadbent Lounge on Saturday match days at the County Ground moving forward. So starting on Saturday against Cardiff, appreciate it's a slightly earlier kickoff. Um, but uh, between sort of half nine and 10 o'clock, we are going to be kicking off with our very first pre and post match um, Sir Tom Broadbent Lounge match day coverage. Um, we are going to be taking questions from you guys. We're going to be live from the Legends Lounge, where we've got a bespoke area of the Legends Lounge put aside for us. We're going to be working the Legends Lounge, talking to all of you guys. We're going to be taking calls live. We're going to have special guests coming in. We'll have people coming in from the dressing room. We'll have people coming in from management. Um, and that's going to be pre and post game. But you lucky devils, on Saturday, you've also got another dose of alternative commentary from the Sir Tom Broadbent Lounge in a way that only the Sir Tom Broadbent Lounge can do. So I hope you enjoy it. If you enjoyed Woking, uh, expect, much of the, expect, expect much of the same. And poor old Johnny Leefield and Andrew Hawes will be uh, earplugs in, no doubt, uh, after Joe and my last uh, last display. Um, but we look forward, hopefully, to you all tuning in and being part of the show I think we've said before, really, this show lives and dies on its interaction from you guys. So please do flood your questions in. Um, we will be, um, certainly, I can assure you that we will be speaking to um, Rob Angus um, on Saturday. Uh, and Rob is content to answer any questions that you would like fired in at him. So please send them over to either myself or to the Sir Tom Broadbent Lounge account. And I will make sure that we ask Rob any questions before the game. 
Um, but aside from that, I mean, we'll just wrap things up. Um, Joe, Max, Dean, thank you ever so much. We thank Darren Ward, uh, Darren Ward, thank Lewis Ward, um, showing my age. We thank Lewis Ward for Lewis's contribution and delighted that Lewis is accepting the invite to come back on again. Um, I thank you all for listening in. Um, looking forward to catching up with you all on Saturday. Uh, but for now, just to wrap up by saying Tom Broadbent Lounge is an independent Swindon Town fan uh, Twitter space uh, produced by the fans for the fans. It does not represent the opinions of Swindon Town Football Club or Sir Tom Broadbent himself. I look forward to catching up with you guys again on Saturday. Thanks very much. <laughs>